to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. We're happy to welcome back YouTuber and Twitch streamer Jason Plays to the show. We both were eagerly looking forward to the release of Starfield about a month ago. Uh, he's got a couple hundred hours into the game. I've got a small percentage of that because he's a professional streamer. He gets to play games all day where I unfortunately have a 9-to-5 job. So, there are going to be some spoilers. There aren't going to be many, because I really haven't gotten that far in the story missions, although we will be talking about certain missions and certain characters and things like that. So, if you haven't played at all and want to be play without knowing too much, this may not be the podcast for you. We're also going to talk, of course, about No Man's Sky, which had a big update right before Starfield launched, which, you know, caused a great deal of strom in Jason's life because he had so many games to play and only 24 hours to do it in. We're also going to have, like, a wide-ranging pop culture chat after that. There's going to be talk about all the various James Bond movies, why he loves Roger Moore, why I love Casino Royale, and then we're just going to talk about a whole bunch of other random stuff, like... I'm going to, once again, put over the Green Acres pod that we did recently that you can hear in the archives. I tried to explain to Jason how uh, underrated the show is, especially when you watch it as an adult now. Uh, various other TV shows that we've been watching, uh, old stuff, new stuff, books, movies, things like that. Uh, we're also going to, Jason's also looking forward to Metal Gear Solid Remaster coming out soon. He was a big fan of the game back in the day, so he's eager to stream that. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. As predicted six months ago when our guest was on the show last, I, we said Starfield is coming in September. Will you be back? And he said, definitely. So Starfield has been out for almost a month now. And here he is to talk about it. Uh, obviously, No Man's Sky and some other pop culture stuff that uh, we learned he has some strong opinions on if you've watched his, his YouTube channel. Please welcome back Jason Plays. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. I know, especially after some of our uh, our more entertainment-oriented uh, talking, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be upset with me, but it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> I guess uh, uh, as, as we have joked about on your stream before, it's like um, I don't completely – I disagree. I do not vehemently disagree, So, but we'll get to that. So, let's start with Starfield. I want to put a disclaimer out first. I have been slow playing St Starfield, and I mean slow playing. I, unfortunately, given my work schedule, get maybe like an hour or two a day to play. So, 
I am well, only before I we am, get into that. Okay. How many hours? Uh, how many hours do you sleep every night? Um, depending on I because I I'm an old man and I need my sleep. So usually <laughs> like usually like hopefully six or seven, maybe eight. And I admit, oh, that's like four hours too much. You just get a, get yourself an energy drink and you're good. You get an extra four hours of gaming. Come on. <laughs> I, uh, it, much like coffee. Uh, energy drinks are a no-no due to uh, due to health issues. The, the health, the kind of health issues that send you to the hospital, uh, oh. means mean no caffeine, no coffee, no energy drinks, none of that kind of stuff. All right. Well, and, then, and, I would never endorse it, but maybe a little cocaine or some speed would be more up your alley. <laughs> as as we've as I've mentioned on your when when like the topic of energy drink energy drink comes up on your stream. It's like while I do not endorse energy drinks now, um, I was one of the in in grad school when we took our exam our comps one year. Uh, we bought an entire case of Jolt for us to drink during our exam. <laughs> yes, we bought we bought Jolt, we bought Pixie sticks, we bought candy bars. Yeah. It was like it. we did any, everything but just like pour sugar in our mouths to like stay awake because. I think if I remember right, it was like six hours of writing. It was, I think, it was. It may have. Been, it was either like three two-hour papers or two three-hour papers that we had to write. It's been twenty years. I apologize for not. Remember. But it was that's how. But it was crazy. So yeah, we definitely went went all out on that. But as I was saying, I've only got about twenty-five or twenty-five to thirty hours of Starfield. I played maybe an hour or two with my initial character, made tons of mistakes because I didn't. Um, well, what do you mean by mistakes? You, like, you really can't make a mistake. Maybe you didn't get the outcome you wanted, but no mistakes, I, I really. Was, um, by mistakes, I mean I, I, I did not realize certain obvious. The, the first one, here's a, here's a great example. I guess if it's not paying attention or not being completely aware of what I was doing, when you're at the very first, uh, when you have your very first gunfight on on Vreet against the Crimson Pirates, yeah, um, I did not notice where I was standing that there was a gun right next to me. <laughs> Were you just doing melee attacks until you got one from an enemy? I was, I was using my, I was using my cutter. Oh, the laser! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was using a laser, and then fearing badly. Yeah, and once I started. Once people started dying, I was picking up guns and using them. And then, like, I ran back to the thing, and then, like, there's a gun and ammo sitting there, and I'm like, oh, that's what I was supposed to do. And I was kind of annoyed that – this isn't really a deal-breaker, but it annoyed me that it happened, so I kind of – this is when I decided to start over. I went to Mars for the first – you know, like, in the very beginning when you go to Mars. Yeah. And – I, um, and you know, because the Bethesda games are all about looting, right? Yeah. You, you, you are, you like me are a pack right and pick up everything that you possibly can. Have to, have to. I did not realize at that point that when you pick something up, if you see the little red thing next to it, that means it's stolen. Don't pick it up. Oh, okay. So, so like, and it was something innocuous, like. Um, it wasn't even like a weapon. It was like a book or something. 
that I picked up and I immediately got arrested by security, which, <laughs> which you know, okay. they, you know, to take you to the guy to start you on the, the infiltrating the pirate, the storyline. Yes. I was just Vanguard. so annoyed. Yeah, I was so annoyed. And I had already made a bunch of other dumb mistakes. And a, a lot of it was just like, um, I wasted maybe like a half an hour the first time I went in my ship. And you know, when you go to the, like the navigation table, mm-hmm. I thought that's where you, how you moved. So I was like trying to, I was like clicking all the planets and trying to like go there. Not realizing you actually had to go to the cockpit. Oh, to fly. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so so these are just really, really stupid things that I did. And I was just like, okay, the first two hours that I've played, these are all learning experiences. I'm going to restart. I'm going to make – also, I picked Dream Home. And then I and then I went to the planet to try and figure it out. And I don't know if I had done them out of the right order, but I could not figure out where the house was. On that planet. And so I'm like, I just made a, a bunch of dumb mistakes, and I'm like, no, I'm just starting over. And I I, I picked my traits better, I think, because I picked um, – the first guy I picked, the guy I made was a professor. So he had – so he was a professor, and he had, like, astrobiology and, like, just – like, I, what I thought would be an interesting character, but probably not actually the kind of character you would want to play, at least in your first playthrough. Yeah. So, so the character I'm playing now is like was a combat medic. So you get a bunch of inbuilt traits. I think I picked Terra Firma, so you get the bonuses when you're on a planet and not in space. And then like one, oh, I think like either introvert or extrovert, one of those. So, so now I'm playing, but now I've already seen the advantage of. I don't know if you've played like a medical person yet. But sometimes you'll get dialogue trees that give you better choices to make because you have a medical background. Yes, yes. And there's just and it's not just for that. There's a whole bunch of I've played it with four different characters so far, and I purposely tried to choose different traits to see what they would do. There is so much variability depending on your situation that, hey, I have the medic perk, so now I can. I can help someone heal up or I can I have a whole different dialogue tree or I pick the uh I pick the uh the frontiers perk or trait and so now whenever I'm in you know Aquila City that's the frontier I can talk to people and they actually respond differently to me or if you pick your religion there's a whole bunch of stuff like that Right I mean I'm looking forward to eventually months from now when I get to like new game plus that uh that like I definitely like want to try and play as like a snake worshiper, just because <laughs> I, I don't know if you I don't know if you've done that yet, but like there's a bunch of things that have happened that I think would make this like a very different kind of game to the play because I play very. Uh, oh, you haven't run like, into you probably haven't run into her yet. Have you run into Andrea yet? Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah I have her oh, okay. as a companion already. Okay, but um. Um, I tend to play sort of like a goody two shoes straight up good guy. Like that's okay. how I like that's how I play. Man, it's funny the character that I made. I gave her the same name as my character from Mass Effect. So I'm always seeing this as like the real. Ma- this is like another sequel to Mass Effect. 
that I, I, I'm kind of imagining this is like this was like my shepherd. You know, in a way, because she she has, like, a lot of similar traits, and she kind of looks the same. So, but I mean, like, I when I play Mass Effect, I always play good guy. So that's pretty much the way I'm playing now. So, like, um, I've definitely, like, Sarah has definitely been happy with most of the choices I'm making, because it's been, like, the good guy choice, like, trying to do, like, I have my, my persuasion all boosted up. So I do okay. a lot of so I do a lot of talking out of combat if I can, or talking out of paying too much. Uh, just, is is Sarah your main like companion, the one that you're sticking with? She's well. Let me put it this way: I've only gotten so far. I only have Sarah, Andresia, and Sam. I haven't. I'm in the process of trying to get to Barrett and Heller, but I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. And I like I have Lynn right now because I just started doing like that that storyline. So oh, like okay. I have okay. yeah, so I have Lynn on my ship. But as I'm sure you, well, this is sort of like the way you play anyway. At least the games you stream, I get I've become very distracted. While yep. like I said, even though I only have 25 hours or so into it, like I was doing the Barrett mission the other day. So I picked up Lynn, and I'm going to whatever planet I need to get to. So I try to get to that planet, but my ship doesn't have the jump capability to get there in one shot. So I stop. So I land on a planet in between. I go to a star system in between, and I land on a planet. I I probably shouldn't have done that. But I land on a planet, (laughs) and then I spend an hour and a half Doing stuff because it was like, well, I'm right near, I'm near a city, so let me go to this city or an outpost. And then, oh, I landed, uh, yeah, I landed on this planet or a moon or something. So I land on this planet and I'm like right near a science outpost that's like 300 meters away. So I'm like, well, let me see what this is. So I get there and they have a mission because one of their scientists is missing. So I'm like, okay, well, this shouldn't take too long. So I go and do it. And the other, <laughs> that's, and, that's the first mistake. <laughs> right. And so the other thing, the other good thing about this was this planet or this moon only has six resources on it. It has six rocks and no flora and fauna. Oh, that's easy to scan then, right? Right. So I'm like, okay, well, I can, like I said, let me see how many I pick up along the way. And I'll, cause I haven't, completed a planetary survey yet because I've done very little exploring because if I'm only playing an hour or two a day I sort of don't want to quote unquote waste my time it's not like playing No Man's Sky where all you do is explore you know what I mean Mm -hmm. there's so much other stuff to do so I go I find the scientist I bring her back I think at that point I have like five of the six elements so I'm like, okay, let me try and quickly find the sixth one. And if not, you know, I'll come back because I know. So as I'm going back to my ship, I see, hey, there's an abandoned base that's only 200 meters away. So I go to this abandoned base, and of course it's overrun by pirates. So then I spend 45 minutes clearing out these pirates in this base. And now suddenly I get back to my – I do find the, the sixth <laughs> element. So I do get that. So I get back to my ship, and now I'm like, I'm out of time. 
They're like, all because I stopped on this planet when I really wasn't planning on it. Or, as I'm sure you know, when you're going through the cities, to be neon, I don't know if, it, if New Atlantis is the worst at this, but going through neon is like you pick up nothing but missions. Uh-huh. And so you're kind of like, well, this will only take, this shouldn't take that long, 15 minutes. You know, especially if it's like a fetching quest. Yeah. And there's like multiple parts to it. And you're like, oh, I thought this was going to be easy. And then, and then it's not. And I, I've been doing the Ryujin storylines. Yes. So it's like that, that is also like a horribly addictive storyline because it's like you do one and you go back and you say, okay, I'm done. And she gives you your money. And she's like, okay, are you ready for your next one? Uh huh. It's and like, it just well, keeps I, going and going, which, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> and now, well, the problem is I was doing them the other day, maybe yesterday, maybe the day before, and we'll, and this is something we were going to get to, is one of these dreaded bugs happens. And I don't know if this is a common one. I've ran into a, a couple of the ones that apparently are very common that I'll, I'll mention. But um, I was doing the one where you have to infiltrate the Ryujin headquarters, like sneaking through the vents. Yeah. And I got to the first vent and it wouldn't open. And I'm like trying for like 10 minutes and nothing. And the, and there's a guard on the other side. So she's been alerted to my presence already. And so then I'm like, okay, I don't know what, why this isn't opening. So I go and I look up and said, oh, there's supposed to be a switch that you open that dims the lights and then you can go through and sneak around. Couldn't get it to open. Like 15 minutes, I'm like, heck with this. So, like, I just left and started doing something else, which led to this really fun bug. So, like I said, I had triggered the trespassing warning for the guards in the tower. I leave. I leave Neon. I start doing another mission on another planet. I'm still getting the warning that says you're trespassing. (laughs) Yes. It's like. No, I'm not even on this planet anymore. But, like, I had the one that I guess is fairly common, too. I was trying to do the Strikers mission, where you go around and you hack the signs. Yeah. And then you go, then you have to go back and talk to Briggs and Madame Savages, but the door's locked. So you can't uh. get in the door to get to them. And then I look it up, and apparently that happens. The, they're... What's really funny is reading the ways people are getting around it. Like, you have to – one of the ways you can get around it is you go back downstairs to the bar, and you start a fight in the bar, which brings some of the strikers out from their office to see what's going on. And so you have to run back upstairs, and then when they run out, you run in while the door's still open. Like that's that's okay. one of the that's one of the workarounds for this for this bug, and I've had some of the other like normal ones like stuff doesn't load right or the usual thing. It's funny I didn't seem to notice them until like the update that came out the other day that probably fixed a bunch of stuff. But for me, and I'm playing on I mean I'm playing on PC, but. Microsoft, like I'm not on Steam, I'm on... You're the Windows version. Yeah, I have the Windows version. Okay. So... Yeah, I, I played on Steam and, I mean, 
uh, I, I was lucky enough to get the game early, but they don't really, they don't tell you who else has it. They tell you not to tell anyone about it or talk to anyone about it. And so I was like, for two weeks, I was in the dark just playing the game, having fun, you know, doing my thing. And then when the game, you know, when the game finally releases, all the reviews come out, and there's all these bugs. And I was like, what? I didn't run into, I mean, I say I did not run into bugs, quote unquote, but I did, but it wasn't anything near that. It was more like, you know, you, you're running around and all of a sudden someone like one of the NPCs will like glitch through the floor. And it, it doesn't matter because they're not an important one. They're just like kind of scenery basically and so i didn't run into anything major like that or any doors being stuck or anything like that and i was like oh that's really strange i mean i felt really proud i was like oh thank god i got the good copy i didn't get any bugs but but it was so weird you know seeing that because you kind of you're in a bubble and then when i you know i start watching streams and i start seeing all this stuff and i'm like holy moly i didn't have any of this stuff jeez yeah, the first couple of days, the only one I noticed, I would get the weird thing where people, you're supposed to be, like, following people, but they get stuck. Yeah. So you kind of have to, like, back up and then sort of try and maneuver around them to, like, free them up from their buffer. Because I, I did happen, I think yesterday when I was doing one of the Ryujin missions, like, Imogene was, like, stuck behind her desk. And she was, like, trying to go the other way. So I had to, like, back all the way up, like, out of the office and then come back in. And then she, like, kindly came around the desk and went where she was supposed to. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had one. My my favorite one. And it is, like, old school uh, Bethesda bug that I think is always going to be there is when you're talking to someone out in the wilderness somewhere. And they stop, and because it's a Bethesda game, they they stop everything. They zoom in on their face, and they you know they speak, and then they have the the uh, the choices of your you know responses. But I think it's it's happened about five or six times so far. But I'd be talking to someone out in, on a planet somewhere, and then randomly an enemy like a, a monster will come up and attack them in the middle of our conversation. And they'll, you know, you'll still be in that cinematic camera looking at them, but now their body is gone or somewhere else, and they're fighting this monster, and you can't do anything because you're in the speech, you know, you're focused in. So I'm like just sitting there, like, okay, give it about two minutes. They'll kill the monster, and then they'll walk right back, and then continue the conversation. Like, what in the world? It's so funny. I love that so much. I had to, and this probably isn't a bug. It's just a thing, but like. At least twice now when I've had Sarah as my companion, because she's going to be my romance companion, too. So, like, I've been trying to, like, get to the triggers. And at least twice we've been in the middle of a mission. And, like, yeah. once in, in combat where she's like, I've got something I need to talk to you about. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. yes, yes, but not right now. We're a little bit busy. <laughs> I'm like, these, these spaces are shooting us in case you didn't notice. Yeah. And and I think that's a that's a simple fix that they could probably patch in later on, and no one thought about that. But yeah, I've, I've had that on stream. We've been in the middle of combat, and all of a sudden, behind me, you hear Sarah like, "Hey, when you get a minute, we need to talk." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, give me a minute. <laughs> Go on now. Maybe just turn that off while we're in combat, and then you know, have her say something or have your companion resume afterwards or something." Now we've been talking about all these bugs. But we should say how really great this game actually is. It's like, I know I've been waiting. You've definitely been like, 
vocally waiting for months and months and months, if not longer, for this. So I guess the first question would be, has it met your probably lofty expectations? 100%. So uh, this is coming from, and again, this is coming from a guy who, when uh, when I got my 360, my Xbox 360, the first game I bought was Elder, uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, and I played that to completion many times. But then when Skyrim came out in 2011, the original Skyrim release on the Xbox, I played that to completion. When Fallout 3, so I've, I played all of their games. I love that Bethesda, I call it the Bethesda like game style because no one else makes RPGs the same kind of way. So I love that formula. And I, and everyone complains about uh, the biggest thing that I noticed and, it was weird to me because I didn't understand where it was coming from. The big complaint about uh, Bethesda, at least for Starfield, is the loading screens. And from an old school, like, I played all the other, I played Fallout 3, Fallout 4, all these games. They all have the same amount of loading screens, except in Starfield, they last, like, depending on your system, uh, on PC... Most of them are 5 to 10 seconds. If it's a really big load, like if you're going from one planet to another planet, it might last 20 to 30 seconds. But that's nowhere near like uh, Skyrim. That They literally had a, a loading screen that was a minute or two long. So much so that they had a scrolling, you know, tips at the bottom. And they let you, they would load up a, an object, like a statue or something that you can rotate in and zoom in on. They had to give you something to do during a loading screen because it took so long. And so when people, the big complaint I saw over the last couple of weeks was, oh, there's too many loading screens. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? This is this is what they do. Like, this is a Bethesda game. I could understand if it was like a, a game that they made games that never had loading screens and all of a sudden this one does. Sure. But they're actually, you know, this is the same amount of loading screens and they're faster. I don't know. I don't understand it. But I, I mean... I mean, loving it, loving it. Given, I mean, you know, as much as I love both of these games, like one, back in the day when you played Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation, <laughs> how how long those were, and you know, and it may be my favorite modern game, but the loading screens for Red Dead One were pretty darn long too. Yeah. So it's, well, I mean, it, it's kind of like the thing I was telling somebody this today because I'm playing. Starfield on this new PC that I got specifically so that I, I mean, I needed a new PC anyway. But, you know, so I got it to make sure that it was specced out to play Starfield. And it's like everything is so fast. And it's like there's nothing wrong with my old computer. It's just now it's just like doing normal things like booting up or something. It's like go faster, go faster. Now that I've had, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, I still have an Xbox One. But I have a PlayStation Five, yeah. And like, you know, like the you know, given how quick like the loading screens are, like I've pretty much only played like the two Horizon games on this PlayStation since I've had it. And it's like, yeah, they're a couple seconds long. And I'm like, yes, this is kind of annoying, but one, it's like oh, it gives you time to get something to drink or whatever. You know, what I mean, they're not. I, and again, not even that long. Like you, you have enough time to take a drink. You can't go get one. You stand up. No. You're gonna be. You're gonna miss it. <laughs> and again, you know, we were before we were before we started. We were sort of talking about like 
previous eras of technology. It's like, you know, as somebody who grew up with dial-up, or even before dial-up, <laughs> yes. before dial-up was a thing, for somebody that had dial-up, you know, and honest to God, you know, you used to watch, you know, your stuff, your text load as you watch it scroll down the screen. You know, I'm, as things get faster and faster, I'm appreciative. And if they're a little slower, I don't mind. It's sort of the same. Like, I'm that way. I don't need, like, the super, like, I don't need to, like, I don't play my Starfield in, like, super HD, 120 frames a second, you know, DLSS, you know, whatever. It's like, my settings are, to me, my settings are fairly low. And like it looked great to me. Yeah. You, you now you as a professional streamer would probably watch one of my streams and go, "What? <laughs> how low are his settings?" But to me, you know, it's like I'm an no. old man. I have poor eyes, even though I'm playing on a fairly big. It's like, no. you know, as somebody who grew up with an Atari, the you know, playing like Horizon or something like this or this game are so amazing. Yeah. That like if it's like, you know. Oh, it's like, oh, I can't watch this game in HD today. I have to watch it in standard. Well, you're still watching it, and it's in color. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's, well, it's it, funny how people's standards change over time. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I can appreciate. I appreciate that uh, people have higher standards. Like, you know, they, they expect a game to be of a certain quality, and I can appreciate that. But I also bring in, the, I mean, it's like, if the new Grand Theft Auto uh, game came out and there was driving and heisting and everyone got upset about that, you're like, uh, that's what Grand Theft Auto does. I mean, this is the yeah. game. Starfield is a Bethesda game. If you played Fallout, you know what Starfield's going to be. And so it felt like people were like expecting this totally revolutionary, brand new game that no one's ever seen before. And I'm like, that's not what they do. Like, it's not going to be this revolutionary, never-before-seen game. This is like a Bethesda game in space. And, I mean, it's a really, really good version of that. So I love the evolution. It looks better than any of their previous games. It loads faster. It has more things in it. There's more missions. The world is larger. But it still boils down to it's that type of game. And people are like, oh, there's loading screens everywhere. It's like, yeah, that's what they do. They also have... When you talk to a character, it zooms in on their face. No one else does that. I, I was playing uh, Cyberpunk the other day, and everyone was like, oh, this is so much better than uh, in Starfield because you don't zoom in on their face. You can walk around and everything. And I said, well, that's what Bethesda does, though. That's their formula. That's their style. So you, you can't knock it if that's what it is. That's, you just got to go in expecting that. What's funny, too, is one of the things that I love about Starfield is even though it's this brand new shiny super game set, you know, their Bethesda space game, like it is not so overly futuristic shiny that, that like it's like, um, like antiseptic. Like I like that it feels more like 2001 than like some sort of, you know, like the new version of Dune or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't it like have like sort of like a grittiness and a reality to like the spaceships are not, you know, like super sleek, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like, especially yeah. when you start having to build them. I mean, they look real. 
I guess it looks like if it was a movie, it looks more like it was made with practical effects than it was all CGI. Yeah, if, that well, make, if, that, if that makes sense. That's a really good comparison. And I would say when uh, when they came out, when uh, Todd Howard came out, he said, look, this, we're going to have a certain style to this. We're going to call it NASA punk. It's not cyberpunk or, you know, futuristic. It's more of this is what we can imagine it's going to be like. It might not be correct, but it's grounded in reality of, you know, these are how things work. You You have your engines and this is how a ship looks like. And I, I don't want to spoil too much, but a 2001 A Space Odyssey is a very, very good comparison. Honestly, I know, I mean, I I know vague, some vague things. Around, we won't talk about them. But it's like, um, but like the two things that I've compared it to are 2001. And if you've ever seen Duncan Jones' movie Moon. The I one with, love Moon. Yes, but the same Rockwell, yeah. But yeah, but doesn't this kind of feel like Moon in a way? <laughs> well, I would say yes, except for there's no rovers, there's no vehicles. Other than that, yes. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like the space, like when you're walking around on a planet, it, you know, like the gravity feels real, you know, more or less. Oh, and, wait, and, and, 100%. Well, the fact that, I don't know how, how many planets you visited, but the fact that every planet has a varying degree of gravity, and some of them, I would say, I would argue about half of them are, what we would consider "quote unquote" normal gravity, you know, basically Earth gravity. But you'll run into some moons that are very low gravity, or you can you you would have fights in uh, space, literally where there's no gravity, and you. Not to ruin any missions, no details about the mission, but there's a mission where you're in space fighting pirates, and it was one of the first ones I ran into where I fired my gun and I got shot across the room because of, there's no gravity. So it basically, you're using your gun as like a propeller. It's insane. It was amazing. I wish they would do that for No Man's Sky. Like, we, they have some low-gravity planets that you can kind of jump around more, but there's no other physics other than you're jumping, whereas in, in Starfield, everything has its own physics. You can throw something in low gravity, and it flies farther than if it was in, quote-unquote, normal Earth gravity. It is yeah, I amazing. Yeah, I noticed when I was on a moon that I was, like, I think I have, like, level one boost pack. So, I mean, so you can get, like, a little air, but not a lot. But I did notice, like, how much more pronounced it was on a moon with probably low gravity. And like we said, it's like when you're used to playing No Man's Sky for so long, and, you know, you're used to boosting and jetting around. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure I mean, I've done this at least once. I'm sure you've like been bouncing around on some planet and tried to do the punch thing. <laughs> I I spent my first two days doing that, and <laughs> I my first mistake when I fart, when I when I got the game, the first thing I did was immediately when I built my character, it was all health and it was all weapons. I didn't realize that you had a skill. For jetpacks, and if you did not have the skill, you couldn't even use it. Like you can't use them at, even if you have a jetpack. If you equip it, you cannot use it until you have that skill. And I didn't know that, and I kept jumping around, going, "This, I, this is game broken. Why I have a jetpack equipped? What the hell is this?" And it finally clicked. I, I <laughs> they give you a contact at the at Bethesda. You can ask questions, like if you run into a bug or anything like that. And I asked them. I said, "Hey, look, I think my game is bugged out, as I don't." 
I've equipped like three different jetpacks, and they say they have boost packs on them, but nothing's happening. And the first question, because I'm hoping I wasn't the only one. I'm sure, in my mind at least, a few other people had that question, and the first thing they responded was, did you get the jetpack skill? And I had to sheepishly uh, say, um, um, no, I'll, I'll check back on with that. Sorry. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I can't well, believe that. <laughs> one of the When we were talking about all the dumb things I did with my first playthrough, I didn't – it took me maybe like the second till the second day that I realized which button was jump. <laughs> and and which no, button – For me, and, that's home. That was like by default memory. I know that Y is jump. I love it. And I also didn't realize – like, again, when we were in that first combat, I did not realize B was crouch. <laughs> oh, see, for me, this brings back – because I played so many of uh, their, their Bethesda games. I played Fallout to death. I played Fallout 3, Fallout 4, New Vegas. I, you know, so all this stuff is like second nature. And so what, what happens to me is I revert back. And so when I go to any other game, now I'm broken. Like I'm playing Cyberpunk and I keep hitting Y to jump. And I'm like, oh God, that's the wrong button. I was for, for a while, what was really bad was when I was alternating between, and it's funny because they're the same company. When I was alternating between Red Dead, and GTA that yeah. like like one but like one button in one game is shoot and another game it's run <laughs> so like yeah. so i was constantly like doing the wrong thing until the, until then but yeah i'm yeah i'm not really a bethesda veteran so i don't have that muscle memory i like i, it's I, I instinctive <laughs> Yeah, like I said, the thing, I mean, the closest thing is, like, you know, I was a big Mass Effect guy. So, oh, I mean, I've, dude, yes. So, I mean, so I've played all of them, plus Andromeda, and then I when, when they re-released it, you know, like a year or two ago, I went through and played it all again. I mean, admittedly, you know the story, so you're kind of already, like, it's not the same as, like, when you play a game, you immediately beat it and play it right again. But it's like I had this muscle memory in the back of my head. Like, I'm playing, like, when you get to, like, the big fight at the end of Mass Effect 2, it's like, okay, I kind of know what's going to happen. And I know who I need to pick on this mission to make sure that they don't die so that I don't lose, like, whatever ending that I want. It's like I know that, like, you know, like, if you send Garrus to escort the people back to the ship, they'll probably live. But if you pick, like, the doctor, like, some of them will probably die because he doesn't have the skills. Like, yeah. the, the, the Garrus would. And so, like, I just remember those things where it's like, in the first game, it's like, like, I always pick Caden to die, even though, like, <laughs> even though... Wait you a know, minute! Why does Kate that you you favor Ashley? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, I favor Ashley. This is oh. racist. <laughs> but, oh. but it's, it's the kind of thing where like there's certain things I always. I mean, usually the only thing I change differently when I play a game is like who my romance options are. Like I almost always pick Liara as my romance option. So when I think everybody did, because yeah, Liara, come on. Well, it's like although it's like when you play the second game, you kind of want to play like you kind of want to romance like like oh. the hot the hot mean chick. 
I was gonna say I I I I love Liara. Liara is my my uh, my forever. But when Miranda came in in uh, Mass Effect Two, I dropped Liara like a like a bag of bricks because I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Miranda's here. And then it was funny that like people didn't know this was an achievement, but like when you played the remastered Mass Effect, it's like if you play if you have the same. Romantic, romantic companion in all three games you get that's an achievement oh really you know, which which people like i think didn't realize at the time because again you know like you kind of like mix it up like okay i'll pick liara in this game i'll pick miranda in this game or i'll pick because i always usually like my shepherd is usually always female so like sometimes i pick liara sometimes i pick garris so it, like i got to the thing it's you know, like, when you're playing through, it's like, oh, achievement 10 points, you know, you're completed the romantic quest line or whatever. And then yeah. somebody said, oh, when you finish three, you get an achievement if you've had the same romantic companion for all three games, if you're using the same save in all three games. Yeah. And I was like, oh, which I didn't know. So now it's like, oh, I guess you got to play again. <laughs> yeah, or at least, the whole thing again. <laughs> or at least go back to your, at least go back to the save the first save where you can fix that. Yeah. Well, yeah, just start on uh, Mass Effect 2 and just keep it going. Yeah. But, uh, but back to Starfield, um, is there any, I guess without spoiling too much, is there like a favorite thing that you've done, whether it's a mission, if you don't want to be oblique about it or like certain style or certain part of the game that you like more than the rest? I, I mean, I, I love the Bethesda formula. I love the whole, like, this is your character. And uh, for me, every other, like, um, Bethesda game has had this feeling of you're overpowered pretty quickly. Like, you can level up really fast in Skyrim or in Fallout, and you can kind of make yourself OP. Whereas in Starfield, it really, th- it really feels like they thought about it and said, look, we want to make it to where, you know, you need to get deep into the game before you really get overpowered, OP. And so you can do it still, but it's going to take you hours and hours because they're not throwing a lot of uh, skill points at you. And w- even when they do, you still have to pick and choose and then go down those trees. And I really love that. So I'm still going through, like, technically I'm on my uh, my new game plus, and I'm I'm... I'm there's no level cap per se. Like you can't get to a maximum level. I've seen people get to like level 500. You know, if you cheat, there's ways to cheese it and cheat if you want to. But just a normal natural playthrough. I'm on New Game Plus, and I only hit level 54, 55, and I'm like, dude, I'm not even a quarter of the way through all of these skills and everything. And I really like that. I I like that they almost force you into saying, look. Pick a tree, pick what you like, and stick with it. Because if you try to generalize and, you know, get everything, you'll never be really good at anything. Whereas, you know, when you get to level 50, you can really hone in on that one tree of, like, your weapons or whatever. If you pick, you know, your pistols and your ballistic weapons, you get really good at it. Or if you go for rifles and lasers, you could do that or whatever. And I really like that they force that on you instead of... Like in Skyrim, I got a little bit bored because I would max out my my destruction and my one-handed real quickly, 
And then it's like, well, I can just des- destroy everything because I'm max level instantly. Yeah, that's – I mean, I don't want to say it's a criticism, but, like, the slowness of leveling up is annoying. I mean, like you said, especially when you're used to other games. It's kind of – I mean, I've played, like you said, 25 to 30 hours now. I think I'm level 15 or 15 or 16. Like, like it's all – and, again, that could be my choices, too. Yeah. Well, and it's annoying you don't like – I love that because, I mean – it's always fun to be OP, you know, to be super powered really quickly. But for me, at least, it makes the game boring because then when you're just like, you can just sleep rock walk through it because it doesn't matter. You have, you know, insane amount of health or you're doing insane amount of damage. And so it's not a really difficult game. Whereas when they slow it down and you're like, okay, I need to pay attention because I don't have all the skills for weapons or all the, the skills for you know, like your your ship piloting and stuff. You have to pick these skills. Or jetpack. I didn't know you had a jet. You know, and so you have to pick and choose what you want to really use. And I, I I personally appreciate that. I like that. I guess I guess it's sort of like I've got – I'm sort of at the point now and it's like, okay, I finally get a skill point. What do I need? It's like, okay, I did, I did jetpack. It's like I have like level one in – Shotguns and pistols, so that's fine. You know, what I mean, then you start looking at the other ones, and it's like, do I really need like astrobiology? But then you realize, oh wait, this is going to help me scan better, or mm-hmm. like it increases your range, or increases like it decreases the percentage. What you know, one of those things, or like geology, and then you start looking, and then there's like all the health ones, and it's like. You know, I you definitely want like the max health and the, the max health and max carry weight. Dude, you know, because I'll tell you right now, the carry weight does not go away with any. Even I maxed out my carry weight, and I'm still running into that. I, I I mean, I realize I'm picking up everything, but you still the carry weight in Starfield is limited on purpose, even when you max it out. So don't worry about that carry weight. I mean, I certainly have gotten to the point when I do not pick up. It's like, hey, there's a vase. It's $300. <laughs> oh, I need $300. And, no. It's like, leave it. I mean, not even, I mean, the only things that I've like, uh, the only exceptions to that, I've picked up quirky things. Like, I'm trying to get all the ping pong paddles. <laughs> yes. Like, like I have two, I have two. I don't know how many there are, but like I have two so far. And like everybody else, it's like I'm collecting all the books. See, I didn't, I didn't do the books. I was reading the books because you know, for every other Bethesda game, when you like in other games, you would read a book and you would gain a skill point in that thing. Like if it was a book on thievery, you'd do that for lockpicking or whatever. But there is a there is a reason to pick up and and read the books in Starfield, but. For me, it wasn't about collecting. Like I know some people, they'll make a home and then they'll they'll put the books up and like have a library and things like that. And I I never got into any kind of thing like that. The thing that aggravated me is I maybe have like twenty twenty five books and I'm already starting to get doubles. And I'm like yep. I know I know how many there are and it's and it's like annoying ones too. It's like Bad Jokes Volume Three. <laughs> yep. And I'm like I don't want Bad Jokes Volume Three. I want like. Because I know I've picked up, like, Dracula and War of the Worlds, 
And it seems like almost every Charles Dickens book is in this game. It's like not even the obvious ones. It's like Nicholas Nickleby is in this game, and Oliver Twist is in this game, and uh, I, I'm guessing A Christmas Carol is probably in there. I haven't found it yet. I but, yes, it, yeah, and, okay. then, <laughs> and then it's like the thing, and then it's like, oh, I see a book, but it's red. So if I, it might be, it might be stealing, it's stolen, yeah. But I'm like, well, there's nobody around. So I think I can steal this safely and get away with it. Yeah, I was on some planet, and I was, like, in somebody's living quarters, and they had, like, a book in their locker. It was – I think it may have been War of the Worlds. It was either War of the Worlds or Dracula, but it was stolen. And I'm like, there's nobody here but us two, like me and Sarah. <laughs> so I'm Don't like, rat me out, Sarah. Oh, oh, speaking of stealing, here's the worst one. Here's the worst stealing thing I had so far. So. I'm a Freestar Ranger. I'm in the Freestar Ranger building in Aquila City. Okay? Yeah. I'm in. I'm on the top floor, like, uh, the desk where the computer guy sits, but he, he hadn't been introduced yet, so there was nobody at this desk. And there's a cleaning lady that, you know, you make small talk with, right? Uh-huh. I look at the desk. There's an apple. I pick up the apple. And she, like, narks on me, and security shows up and throws me in jail. <laughs> for like, an I, apple, yeah. For an, for an, and I'm, I'm a ranger in the ranger building. You're not allowed I to. Got, no, no, it's not your apple, man. Come on. And, and the funny thing is, I mean, I got arrested by, like, UC security. It wasn't even, like, one of the rangers arrested. <laughs> I mean, luckily, it was the thing where they're like, pay a $200 fine and we'll let you go. So, like, I didn't, I didn't trigger the Crimson Pirate mission. Yeah. That well, would really if I had triggered that for for an apple. It'd be like what is what is this lame is? You you can actually it, it it depends on what location you're in. So depending on where you're arrested, it will trigger the 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 mission, the Vanguard mission or it'll just get you thrown in jail. Have you been in jail yet? Yeah, that's the thing. Like they they did. They like took me just to like regular jail and it's like so I had to like pay the $300 and then they took my apple. Yeah. Well, and then, and then they, uh, I think it might be depending on how much or how severe your, uh, your, uh, your fine is. I got to a point where I just leveled up. I got to like level 12. I just crossed the line. So I had a skill point and then I got caught because I was stealing and they put me in jail. And because I'm a genius, I, I've been constantly stealing. Like I had, my inventory was stacked full of, of stolen items, but. They never caught me. I was all over the place. They never caught me until this one time they caught me. And because I had an inventory full of stolen items, it was a a massive fine. And they remove your experience from you. Ooh. And because you can't go back, like they can't take away your skill point. What they do is I went to level 12 and then I had a, uh, a, a negative Skill. So I went to uh, level 12, and I was at minus 800 experience. That was funny. So I had to go up uh, 800 experience just to get to start, you know, gaining more experience again. I was like, oh, my God. What? Oh. Yeah, it's, yeah there's been a couple of things where it's just I've, like, cursed the fates about why did I. How did I get caught? <laughs> but, I mean, it's like. Being a ranger and getting arrested in the ranger <laughs> building is just so no one's above the law. Come on, like that one annoyed me, but I'm like this is this this is this is an anecdote annoyed. Like I can tell this anecdote to people and it's funny. 
Yeah. Have you have you run into any contraband, any yellow marked items? Yes, and well, I was going to say, and related to that, I got, I had, uh, I think two days ago was the first time I accidentally got busted entering a planet's atmosphere because I had just done the introductory mission where you learn to make Aurora. <laughs> yeah. And I forgot that they give, like, you basically get a free one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I still, I still had it in my inventory. Yep. So when I went to, like, land back in New Atlantis, I had the contraband on me. And I was like, oh, this shouldn't. But, yeah, I think, um, I think on my first playthrough, I had rescued, I rescued some, a pilot. From pirates, and I was, and she had like contraband medical supplies on her ship or something like that. So I really didn't know what it was at the time. And then I think, yeah, I got busted when I tried to go to another planet. They're like, oh, you've got contraband. And I was like, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. See, for a while, I had, like, there was a certain point in the story where I picked up contraband. And then if you try to fast travel to, like, New Atlantis, they warn you. They say, hey, look, you know, you have contraband. Don't come here. And so I spent half an hour like, well, what do I what do? I do? I'm not letting this go because it's worth, like, 20,000 units or credits. What am I doing here? And so I spent 20 minutes searching, like, where do I go? And this was during my review, so I couldn't ask anyone. There's no guides or anything. I'm like, what the hell do I do with this thing? And I'm just sitting there, like, pondering in my brain, like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I finally found there's a place for anyone trying to do this. It's right next to the soul system. It's called Wolf. Go to that system. There is a place. It's like a black market over there. They will. They don't care if you have contraband, and they will buy it from you. But it took me forever to find it. I was like, where do I go? Yeah, I think somebody told Yeah, I think somebody said something like, you just have to go to a system that isn't like patrolled and then you could just land and sell it. Yeah. Well, you, you have to go to a system that's not patrolled, but you also have to find like a, either a, uh, like a civilian outpost or something like that. Like you can't just like, no one's going to, if there's no one on a planet, if it's a dead planet, no one's going to buy it. So there is a system called wolf and it's very, very clearly marked. When you go there, you can find that there's a space station you can go to and they don't ask any questions. You can sell whatever you'd like there. Now, I'll, I'll ask this. I know that the trade, like the trade authority, is moderately shady. Yes. So, can you like sell contraband to like a, a trade authority representative on some planet? You, uh, yes, you can. You cannot sell it to the kiosk. You can't sell it to the computer. You can sell it to the person, but the trick is you have to get there. Yeah. So, like, they have trade authority on New Atlantis, but you can't really get there easily. It's possible you can't get there easily. So there are there are things later on in the game, like you can get shielded cargo bays. So even when they scan you, they will never find. Well, they have a lower chance of finding your contraband. Because I know. Yeah. yeah, I know there's. I was gonna say I know there's a mission. I don't know if it's on Mars or a planet that looks like Mars. The one where you have to like basically go to like the three trade authority people in one one place, and they're they're like they're talking about how kind of sketchy they are. And yeah. So I guess it's like you have, you have to like either get contraband 
like they want you to get contraband for them or something. I know there's like two guys and a girl, and you have to like like talk to all three of them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't, authorities yeah. will let you do it, but and they don't ask any questions for the most part. I've ran into one trade authority uh, person, salesperson, and they didn't want anything to do with it, and that kind of threw me off because all the other people were really shady, and I was like, all right, hey, you want to buy some of this illegal stuff? And they were like, no. And I said, what? Wait a minute. I did all this work to get here, and you're denying me? <laughs> Come on! But yeah, so most of them will, yes. That reminds me of another... I don't know if this was technically a bug, or if I just wasn't doing it right. But I was doing the Ryujin mission, where you have to, like, go to that one kind of deserty-looking planet, and you have to, like, hack the guy's computer. Yeah. But, he's at, but he's at the computer, so you have to wait for him to leave. Mm-hmm. So, like, you look at his itinerary, and it says... You know, he gets to his office at 9 o'clock, and then, like, at noon, he goes to lunch, and he comes back at 1. So it was, like, 8 in the morning in the game, and I went, like, well, I'm just going to go sleep this off. So, like, I slept until, like, 1230, and I go back, and he's still at his desk. And I'm, like, what's the deal? And then I went back, and I, like, slept for another hour. I went back. He was still there. And then, like, as I'm, like, standing there, sort of, like, looking around, he just got up and left. And I was, like... (laughs) Did well, I read this? Like, did I read this wrong? Is it because I assume they meant local time, not UT time? And well, they gave I, was, me a, I was about to ask you that because there are two different times. There's UT and local. And sometimes they won't tell you what time it is. And it could be local or it could be UT. That's the problem. And I know somebody was telling me a good, I guess, this is, I don't know if this is, this is technically an exploit. But they are talking about sort of like ways to mine stuff quicker. That you go to a planet with a really, really short rotation so that like stock gets replenished faster. Like if you were to build an outpost on Mercury, because like the day is so short that since the day is shorter, it replenishes your resources faster. And that's a way that. I did not know that. I mean, I guess it's sort of. Kind of like, you know, like when you used to be able to do like oxygen farming. Yeah. And, you know, so I I mean, what they're saying is if you're on a planet with a shorter rotation, because I know it's it's based on the local time. That is that's genius. I didn't even think about that because I know somebody was because I know I had to ask somebody like when. Like, how long does it take stores to replenish their credits? Like if you buy them out. And it's like 24, as I guess it's 24 game hours. So I assume that's yeah. probably UT because. No, 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 it's I, local. It's all local. Oh, it's local. So, because I know I did the thing where, like, the first time I landed and I was trying to, like, I, I was, like, double encumbered. Like, I was super encumbered. And then I was trying to sell the stuff at the kiosk when you, when you, in New Atlantis, or like, right when you land. Uh-huh. And then, like, immediately ran out of money. And then it's like, you can sell this for, like, less the value. And I'm like, what? I'm not giving it away. Yeah. No. So then I had, like, I asked one of my friends, and I was like, how long is this replenish? And they're like, oh, every game day. And I was like, Cause, yeah. Because, yeah, because I, I was just very annoyed. I, I got very familiar with New Atlantis. It's like my selling spot. You know that there is a mercantile, there's a store. When you go down, like when you first land, there's that kiosk and you go down that ramp. Right. 
you go up and to the left is a store right in front of you called the Mercantile. Yeah. Yeah, so I would literally go back and forth, back and forth. And that's how it's, I sold everything I had. I would just do that, and I would wait. There's some chairs out in front of the mercantile. Wait 24 hours, sell at the mercantile, go back over to the kiosk. And because, yeah, the first probably 10 hours I played, half of that was me walking slowly because I didn't want to, you know, I was over-encumbered. But I also found out you cannot die if you are if you walk when you're over-encumbered. Because I am still, even though I'm like 24 hours into the game, I still haven't done the uh, requisite number of times where you have to run over encumbered so that like your CO2 meter maxes out and you start to lose health. Yeah. Yet you have to do that like 20 times. Oh, even more than that. So I think level one is yeah, 10 yeah. and then level two is 20. Then it goes up to 30 and 50, I think. I'm like, good grief. Because it's like, because I'm, I finally got to the point when I'm mindful of being over encumbered, after being like super. Because there were a couple times I was on, I think maybe like my first character when I didn't know any better, that like I was trying to do the thing where it's your, it's like one of the first missions where you have to go to like that space station and like find the guy's slate that's on his the guy that you're trying to track down that has the artifact. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I was so over-encumbered. Every time I ran, I was just like totally out of breath, and then like I kept dying because they were all shooting me because I still hadn't figured, I hadn't <laughs> completely figured out shooting and crouching and all that stuff. And, you know, I think like Vasco, like I was getting to the point where like Vasco kept getting killed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The one, the, the one that really bothered, the one that, killed me literally was i was doing i think it's i think it's a free star mission but it's oh yeah because you're trying to track down the people that run the first and you there's the woman named maya that like you have Uh to you track her to like the space hospital where she's being treated and then you have to follow her down to her planet and then like get through there was like this ton of like robots and robot dogs and snipers and uh, all this. Stuff. And I must've died like 20 times. And finally I was like, I is like hard is sad to admit, but it's like every time I beat a robot, I saved the game. <laughs> and it was like, you gotta I gotta do it, man. You gotta do it it. it. it took me like 45 minutes. I went one, to the next to the next. And it was like, I had to figure out where you had to stand so that you could shoot the, uh, like the sniper robots that were on top of the building. Mm-hmm. And then, and then like you finally get to her headquarters and there's like a massive one. And cause you can't just get through the door where she is. It's the doors that you have to shoot the locks off of. Yeah. And I was like, I must have died like, so finally it was just like, Luckily, I guess they probably do this on purpose. As you're climbing, as you're going up the building, you're picking up more and more ammo. And, like, they give you, like, incendiary rounds for something. And I finally make it to the top, and then, like, I shoot this thing, like, three times, and it blows up. But, like, I've, like, got so much ammo then, like, I finally get through the doors, and I shoot her, like, three times, and she dies. Or, like, <laughs> or like it like dies to the point where you can talk to her and do whatever. Yeah. 
And I'm just like, oh, this took me so long. But I was like, that's that's the kind of thing with this game. Some of these missions just take forever. Like, I... Another thing I'm probably not proud of, like, the first time I did the Red Mile, I totally just ran. Just, I, I ran yep. straight to it and ran straight back. Because I, like, I didn't know how... I didn't know what was in there, what kind of animals, what kind of pirates or whatever. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do this again. I'm running this as fast as I can until I just, like... I sort of let... I think Andresia was with me then, so she was, like, taking out there's animals along the way, and I just, like, ran and ran back. <laughs> yeah, so, like, got to do it. Uh, so, but, you know, now I, I know better. But it's just, I mean, that's the good thing about this game is I think it does sort of reward, like, lateral thinking on some of these missions. Oh, where, 100%. Where you don't, I mean, it's sort of like playing Zelda. You know what I mean? You're rewarded for your ingenuity by not solving the mission the way you're supposed to. Yeah, well, the way that you quote-unquote are supposed to, the way that's right. obvious about it. But, yeah, I I love that. I ran into that with uh, with uh, with Boulder's Gate 3. I love the ingenuity of that. And the fact that, yeah, you can do the weird stuff in in Starfield, and you think that it feels like an exploit, but it's just like, oh, it's it, you can do it if you want to. That's, I love that. So, yeah, so everybody plays Starfield. I mean, the thing that I think the other thing that I kind of like about Starfield in that it in that uh, that makes it kind of feel like it's retro is that there's no multiplayer. It's like I'm so happy there's finally like a game with no multiplayer or like multiplayer isn't an important facet. It's like it's just me in the game, kind of like the way it used to be. Yeah, I I love that. And a lot of people kind of complained about that. I said, well, why? I mean, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, it's either competitive, like you're playing, uh, you know, Call of Duty, and I get that, you know, when you're a competitive person. But then there's a, like No Man's Sky. I love the multiplayer, but it never works like a hundred percent. Like there's always a bug or a glitch, and there's there's a point of uh, a failure that I would rather just not have and have a better experience single player. And I, I think they're amazing, you know, and. They, they did Fallout 76, you know, so you can't say they've never done it, but they tried it. Didn't really work the way they thought it was going to, and so they said, look, we'll just go back to the formula of single-player focus, do what you want. And, yeah, I love it. I, I appreciate it. Cyberpunk is the same way. I, I like that single-player experience of you don't have to worry about, like, there's a serious moment in a story mission, and then your your uh, your friend like Bong Ripper sixty nine is running around in the background like shooting stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, you just ruined that. Thank you. But uh, since we brought it up, and we would be remiss not talking about it, um, how annoyed were you that No Man's Sky dropped an expedition right before <laughs> Starfield came out? Like you didn't have enough enough uh, enough on you. There were not enough hours in the day for you then already, dude. You don't even. You don't even know the half of it because we were waiting around and I said, okay, look, we had the expedition. It ended. Of course, you know, it ended first week of August, the anniversary for No Man's Skies, the first week of August, August 9th. They'll put out an update or they'll put out like an expedition or whatever to celebrate the anniversary. No problem. And it didn't happen. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that they're aware 
Starfield comes out on September 1st, so it has to be soon, right? And then weeks would go by and another week. And then Bethesda reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to you wanna review Starfield? And I was like, uh, absolutely, 100%. The day after I got the review copy of Starfield, they announced a new expedition or a new update. And exp- I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I'm going to die here. I'm going to die here. So, and yeah. That, <laughs> and I'll just say, and if that wasn't bad enough, like, they make one of the expeditions that you cannot, like, play in, like, three hours and be done with it. This is, like, one of these annoying ones that, I mean, well, it probably, I mean. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to brag too much, but I've done it in an hour and 38. Right. But. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, this is a, this is one of the longer, like, more in-depth expeditions that, yeah, it takes a while, like, especially the first week. Because you have to go to specific locations and find specific types of animals, that first week is just go look. <laughs> like my first run took me six hours because I didn't know where anything was. So yeah, yeah. And, to your point. And if you're playing it sort of solo, quote unquote, like you know the fact that you have to like grow plants that take a minimum an hour to grow. You know, and well, you have to get far enough for you to get the plant recipes, however far into the expedition that is, and then go to the right planet and find what you need, and then grow them. It's just like, yeah, this is this was not a like this was not one designed for uh, you and other people who like to speed run the game. No, and uh, we've been talking about it, and it feels like I mean, I have no idea. I assume that uh, you know, Sean Murray and Hello Games, they kind of know what's going on in the community. But it feels like the last, like over the last year or so, they've gone out of their way to kind of trip us up for speedrunning. Like they've gone out of their way to make sure there's some things you cannot do. Like there's no way to get around it other than to like cheat or to like find a, a weird glitch to make it work. Like we had one with the uh, frigate missions and they literally take an hour of real in-game or real life time and there's no way to speed run that. You can't force it to go faster. Or this one, you know, you have to grow your uh, plants, and it takes a minimum of an hour depending on the plant you're growing. You know, it's like, oh, God, really? Or finding different animals. Like, th- that's the, the one thing that really grates on me. And I, I love No Man's Sky for it, but it's something that when you're trying to do something quickly, there's no easy way to find, like, hey, find a hot-blooded animal okay, what does that mean? Well, just go to a hot planet and scan the animals, and we'll tell you when we got it. It's like, well, no, this is a, there's no, like, formula of you need to go to this particular planet or you need to go, the planet needs to be this temperature or anything like that. It's just a randomized, procedurally generated thing. And so once you find that animal, it'll always be there, but it's procedurally generated, so you'll never know until you find it. Well, was there anything worse for the speedrunning community? I don't know if... Speedrunning was a thing yet, but was there anything worse than like the living ship stuff where you had to wait a day? <laughs> we weren't doing speedrunning at that time, but yes, that's really difficult. Except, like for for all of us making guides, you can literally disconnect from the internet and fast forward your uh, time on your like if you're playing on a console, fast forward your time on your console to 24 hours later. And so right. that's what we did. I could get it done in like four hours, but you need to pause, save the game, exit out, fast forward your time, get back in, do it again. 
pause, exit the game. So it's more of a pain in the neck. But yeah, I mean, I, I say, love I, that content, but I feel like they they feel I they I don't want to say they made a mistake because I think it was a good idea. But we've had other uh, ships like the Sentinel ships that they don't do a timer like that anymore. Like there's no other feature or addition in No Man's Sky that's had that kind of a timer because I feel like nobody gets a, a living ship anymore because it's not worth it. Like there's no, the reward is not worth the five days, literally five in real life days to get it. Unless you cheat, unless you fast forward your time. I was going to say the, the con, the time skipping is familiar to all of us who spent months and months, and months playing animal crossing <laughs> yes. where it's like, I need this bug. This bug only spawns two months of the year. It's six months from now in real life. Well, which now knows that it is. <laughs> yep. It's now, it's now August or you do the wacky thing where you play in the other hemisphere. Cause I did that yes. on my, on my second switch. When I was playing, I had one playing in the Northern hemisphere and one playing in Southern hemisphere. <laughs> yes. And then you can go back and, I mean, admittedly, Animal Crossing is designed for you to, like, make friends and do this. But it's like, you know, I have two switches. I'll just do this myself where I'll travel from one island to the other and then harvest my bugs and pick my trees or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's also, uh, I don't know if you're this in-depth with it, but game releases, there's times where I live in New Zealand for game releases because it right. it happens there first. And you're like, oh. I need to move to New Zealand for today. Yeah, I love I'm like I'm friends with with Andre from Game Explain. And I think they did the thing where they started when they do that, like he will actually put up like his green screen will be like Sydney Opera House. <laughs> yes. It's like good day. <laughs> Zelda just released five minutes ago. We're going to play Zelda, mate. <laughs> yeah. I, I I remember and it was I they went back on it pretty quickly, but I think I remember it was like in 2018, maybe 2017. Xbox was going to put a limit on how many times you could change your region because of that. <laughs> they were like, no, 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 no. You pick your, you know, your, your, your uh, region, North America, whatever, and you can't change it for like six months. You know, you can't keep moving like this because people would do it, like, especially in the holiday season, you know, November, December, you have game after game after game. And so every week I would switch, you know, you, well, not, not me, not me. Other people I've talked to in the community, they would switch to New Zealand on Friday, and then they go right back to North America. Then the following set, Tuesday, they'd switch back to New Zealand and come back. I remember, this is a long time ago, back when you still had um, uh, CD-ROM players installed, like when you would get your laptop, you would have it with a CD-ROM drive. Yeah. For a while, you could change the region of your computer so that, so that say, I wanted to get a movie that's not available in the United States in Region 1, but I could get it in Region 2 from Great Britain, or I could get it from Japan so that it would play on my – so I could play it on my laptop. But there is a thing on your computer that, like, you can change the region of this laptop like three times and then it's locked. So I like, they, back, I think they do it by manufacturer now. So, I mean, well, I mean, it, 
to be fair, it's been a while. Like, for me, it was DVDs. You would have to worry about DVDs you bought, because if they were overseas, they wouldn't work in your DVD player. Right. Well, I mean, I was, yeah, I know years ago, I had, and it was funny, it used to be the cheapest DVD players that you could buy were the ones that had, that were the easiest to find the codes for to punch in your remote to make them region free. Yes. Yes. Like, well, like, like yeah. some like, you know, Yokohama, you know, knockoff DVD. No problem. Can I get it to do with like my like $800 Sony DVD player? No, couldn't do it with that. No but way. I it, but I could do it with like my cheapo $50 DVD player that like I bought at Best Buy. Yeah. Well, there was a thing too, and I, they probably fixed this by now. But there was uh, for HDMI splitters that used to be a big deal. Like you could buy the really top quality. Like if you needed to split between two different TVs or whatever, you get an HDMI splitter, and you wanted the best one because it would give you the best picture. However, if you got the cheap one, the the down dirty like ten dollar piece of garbage, like it gave you a picture and it didn't really look as crisp. But it worked. However, they would not insert any of the HDCP, the uh, protection. So people were literally going out and buying the cheapest ones because it was stripping out the protection so they can record and strip all these movies, these DVDs. Because Back, it would just go into it, and right. boom, you got it. And Back, they finally caught on to that. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, did you have, when you had a PlayStation 2, did you... Yes. Did you have the thing that you could plug into the back of your computer that let you play Japanese games or or uh no other we used to have a thing I forget what it was called because I bought a lot of import games well one you you could try and do the disc swap trick you know where you like you start your thing and then you you immediately pop the top while it's still spinning mm-hmm. and then you take the disc out and you put your import disc in and it worked most of the time. That's what I would do, yeah. I didn't have – they had an insert in the back? No, yeah, there was, like, a thing that that had, like, a like a, a little cartridge that had, pin, you know, like, pins in it that you plugged into the back of your PlayStation that, like, let you – that and it had a boot disk. So you would boot that up, and then it would take you to some menu, and then you could put your import game in and then exit out of that, and it would start your game. Holy cow. What I eventually did later was when I got my Dreamcast, I actually got a Japanese Dreamcast. Nice. So that, so that because I was playing all the like imported Japanese wrestling games because they were much, much better than like the American ones. Yeah. And so I, I got that because there used to be a store in New York that was like that did imported video games. That's like where I bought all of my import stuff from. So basically, this Dreamcast costs like slightly more than like a regular Dream. It costs as much if you remember how you could get a Dreamcast that came like with or without a modem. Yes. Yeah. So the the imported. <laughs> so I bought the imported one for the same price if I would have bought the American Dreamcast with the modem. So it was like like a hundred bucks more or something, but you know not extravagantly more. The funny part is I couldn't play American games on it <laughs> yes. unless I tried to do the the, the trick because 
I didn't have, I mean, because I had a PlayStation, so I played everything else on PlayStation. I pretty much had that. But I think, like, when the original, when the original Shinmu came out, I think that was, like, only on, like, that was, like, only on Sega, I think. So I, so I got, like, the American version, because that game has so much dialogue in it, you can't really play it. You Unless know, you, you yeah, you can speak yeah, natively. Can speak <laughs> because, you know, at that time, if you're playing like a fighting game, you can you could you could go on GameFAQs and yep. learn that okay, this title screen has four selections. Like one is two player, one is tag team, three is create a wrestler, and four is settings. So you just know, okay, I want to play this, this, this. Okay, it's the first screen. Then on the second screen, it's the third one down. Then on the third screen, it's the third one down. And then we pick our, and then we pick our fighters, and we go. You're basically learning by osmosis because you probably see it every time, and you're like, okay, I know this is exactly this means two players. So there we go. Right. And I mean, some of it was easy because like you had numbers and stuff like that, so it wasn't that bad. But um, yeah, so it's just yeah, the video game history, especially, like, stuff with import... No, what I was going to say is, it's funny now about, like, playing import DVDs or whatever, is now, like, if you have VLC, you know, that's pretty much region-free. So, like, everything is, like, region-free. Now, I guess it's probably not that... I mean, especially because DVDs aren't a big deal anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, like, if... Yeah. But, like, if you... Like, if you have VLC as your media player on your computer, like, you can basically put any... Like, if you have a DVD that you, like, plug in through a USB or whatever, you know, it'll play whatever. So that's not real. That's not, you know, because that's now passe technology, I guess. <laughs> yes. As funny as it sounds. Dude, but, you don't even know. I I had to. I spent, I think it was, like, three years ago. I I, I went through this, this uh, moment in my life where I was like, you know what? I need to put music on my phone. And then I was looking through. I'm like, yeah, I'll just get one of these streaming services. I'll just do whatever. And you go through and you realize, wait a minute, half the albums I have are not on. Why? Why don't you have this album on, you know, whatever streaming service? And you realize, oh, the record company went out of business 20 years ago, so no one has the rights. They can't do anything with it. So the CD is the CD. That's it. You know, that's the only way to get it. And so I had to go. I spent six months. Getting a, I had to, I had to get a USB, you know, CD drive to put into my PC or to plug into my PC and then manually download all these albums and then put it on my, it was the most ridiculous thing. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like a kid again trying to record like music off of my boom box, you know, the top, you know, top 50 countdown and in, in, on a Saturday, like, holy crap. I always say now the best money I spend every month is like the, I get. I don't know if it's like fifteen or twenty dollars now, but like, like YouTube Premium every month is like the best money I spend to have like YouTube with no. I mean, you stream on YouTube, so you know this. But yeah. it's like it's like that's the best. The best money to spend is not having ads on YouTube. Dude. And it's like, and well, pretty much, and it's yeah. like realistically, you know, unofficially, almost every single thing that you would want to either like watch or listen to, you can probably find on YouTube. You know, or on or on Daily Motion, but it's like, you know, it's like why, especially like for music, it's like why pay for Spotify 
when like almost everything that I want to listen to, I'm pretty sure I can find on YouTube. Exactly. Well, and the thing that got me was uh, a couple of years ago, I didn't have YouTube premium when I first started streaming. I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm streaming here. I don't need it. What got me was I was trying to uh, to stream Snipe, like Survival Bob and all these other guys. And so I would I would be streaming and I would pull up their stream on my stream and kind of make fun of them real fast and then pop out, you know, drop them a, a chat. And then I realized, I was like, every time I did that, an ad would pop up. And I had the first 30 seconds until I could skip. And I was like, oh, okay, I got to get premium just for this because I'm just – or, you know, whenever we uh, stream an event, like if there's a, a live stream of like, you know, uh, E3 or whatever, Nintendo Direct. Uh, what is it? There's one, um, I believe it's, um, I think it's uh, the Game Awards. Jeff Keighley, he killed me. Because not only does he, he puts ads in his streams, which is fine, but he'll put mid-rolls in there, so... We'll be watching along, and all of a sudden an ad pops up. I'm like, oh, God, i got to get premium. Come on. Definitely. Now, before we go, we have to get to this topic. I think it's a requirement, uh, yeah. It's a requirement. We, we've teased it a bunch of times on your stream. So um, you are a big fan of action movies, like especially, yes. 80, especially 80s action movies. You're, 100%. You know, you're – Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Van Damme types. I was going to say, no, 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 that's the wrong order. Van Damme is always the top. Van Damme, I'm a big Van Damme fan. I I love uh, Arnold. I love, you know, Sly Stallone. I love Steven Seagal, but Van Damme is my guy. He's at the top of the list. But yeah. <laughs> Which is why you were so disappointed you couldn't play as Van Damme when you streamed Mortal Kombat. You don't even ago. know. I was so angry that because I, I fired it up first, and I was like, oh, you can make a skin. And then I realized, oh, they keep calling me Johnny. And then it was just, they, they, to me, they oversold it. Like, they said, oh, Van Damme's in here. And I was like, dude, that's a, I'm going to be playing this game for the rest of time. And it's just a skin. And they get, they got, you know, they got uh, Van Damme to do some lines, but nowhere near what I thought. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> but, um, but instead of talking about, I guess we are mildly talking about 80s action movies, but, uh, one of the running things on your stream, especially if if I'm on there talking to you about this, is, uh, and this is always like, are you know, Coke or Pepsi, uh, you know, uh, this or that. Uh, who's your favorite Bond? And I I am older than you, <laughs> so I often go I go the traditional route. I, um. I think most they're all fine in their own ways. I'm not going to argue that, but I prefer Connery. Now, now but, before we get too deep into this, what is your what is your uh, your list? Like Connery's number one, but how do you list them all all in order? Um, I would say Connery is one. Okay, we're going we're going to put an asterisk next to a certain movie that doesn't actually technically count. Um, <laughs> if you say Honor Match, you see Secret Service. How dare you? No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, the original. Yeah. Okay. No, no, yeah. no. The the '60s Casino Royale, which is technically not made by, uh, by Broccoli film by Eon. Well, it's now called Eon, but was like Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. Well, do you like, count Never Say Never again? No, no, that's the same thing. Those those two okay. are like okay. Those those are like in their own universes. 
Okay. Um, but I mean, so we're going to put those to the side. Right. We put those to the side. We put, if you've ever seen like the 1954 TV version of Casino Royale where Bond is American, that, 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 that doesn't count either. Okay. But strict, strictly in the, um, the, the official Eon MGM films, however you want to say it. Yeah. Connery is one. Moore is two. Actually, okay. they, all, they almost go in order. Um, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait, you're going you're gonna to put Lesby at the bottom? Come on. No, no, no. I'm not going to put Lesby at the okay. bottom. I'm gonna, now, bottom doesn't mean bad in this instance. Well, um, it's a comparative scale. So Right, right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's yeah. A, um, if, if we were ranking them the way the kids rank them, like, Nobody would be below a C. You know, like, Connery is probably my only S tier. But there's, like, nobody below really? a C. Really? S Okay. Um, so it would go Connery and then more. Then probably Dalton. Dalton La- above Bronson? I, Dalton, I think the Dalton I'm gonna movies. I'm going to have to fight you, man. I, I think the Dalton movies are underrated. Oh, I, I I appreciate them, but they were real dark. Like I, I maybe it's because I'm more of a uh, comedy fan. But yeah, okay. I I mean I agree with you. They are underrated. I love that Bond. Right, and then yeah. and then Brosnan. Uh, I would also te- I would also technically put Daniel Daniel Craig technically doesn't get ranked because it was like a reboot, and there's like that long gap. So it's it's sort of like Doctor Who, where like. When I rank classic doctors and I rank new doctors, I don't rank them together because I think they're different things. So I kind of think Craig is sort of like in his, like, whoever's next, you know, if it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be Idris Ilba, but, like, if it were Idris Ilba. Dude, I, okay, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I would compare Idris Elba and Daniel Craig and then whoever comes after Idris Elba. But I wouldn't necessarily rank... Okay, them. so you're separating them like a different eras of right you know, because okay. I mean there's a clear lineage from Connery to Brosnan, you know, and then there's this big gap. I don't know, like technically how, was how there many, a gap? How was there? I didn't feel like it was that long. I mean, maybe it was. I just well, don't remember it. Okay, I guess, but I mean, I think it's just more of the the terms of the movie itself, like it, Casino Royale in 2000, whatever it was. Was like a reboot. This is a brand new Bond. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. That's why yeah. I sort of think of it as. But and see, the weird thing is, Brosnan was like, like was always meant to be a Bond, but it's kind of like by the time he got to be Bond, it wasn't the same. So like, I I mean, I love Brosnan and a lot of stuff. I think if, it's funny if you actually say what's the best spy movie that Pierre Brosnan has made. I would say it's the Taylor of Panama, not any of his Bond movies. Taylor Panama is Taylor like Panama was good. I like uh, oh, Matador was good. That was more of a hitman movie. But yeah, and also I think, and also you get to this weird later stage Bond where it's like this is this is a, a weird uh, quirk of mine that as I've gotten older. I prefer more and more 
like sort of classic pop culture. And it's <coughs> it's not it's kind of like the whole things today are good, but they don't appeal to me the same way as older stuff does. Like I don't watch very much new TV. I'd rather watch old TV. I don't watch many new movies. I'd rather watch old movies. I'd rather read old comic books than read new comic books, generally speaking. And I think Bond, I think the best Bond, and this kind of, this includes Moore and Connery, but I think the best Bond is set in the Cold War. And so when you start getting the more modern Bonds and you can start getting weird villains, like, I mean, you had, you had non Cold War villains before, but it seems like, you know, you always have crazy world dominating billionaires. But it yeah. seems, it seems like, you know, they, they got more, I don't know, like outlandish and then, like, the, the gadgets became more important and then there's just a, a bunch of other things that, you are killing me. I as, love that. And this no, no. more is so good. I love the but, gadgets. But see, but see, with more, because it's the seventies, the weird, like the over the top gadget stuff works for more because it's the seventies. Like, if you have a movie like like the more serious bonds in the sixties, or even like the ones in the 90s, you're not going to see Bond driving a gondola car. <laughs> Are you telling but, me that GoldenEye with his amazing BMW? Come on. I mean, like, it's like, that's cool. I love the, uh, the, I think it's one of the broad, I also, a lot of the, the more, the Brosnan ones blur together to me now at this point. But like, yeah, when he gets the car that turns invisible, that's yes. cool. Yes. And I mean, yes, it's in a, it's like the logical extension from like, okay, the Aston Martin DB5 has like these gimmicks and then Roger Moore gets the car that turns into a submarine. Yes. And, and you get the gondola car, but it's like, I guess my problem with Moore is not sort of the early ones, but like when they got really cartoony, like cartoony, cartoony. Like we were, we briefly talked before we started. We briefly talked about a view to a kill. <laughs> yes, which is just so. And again, Christopher Walken is sort of made to be a Bond villain. Hundred percent. But when it's Christopher Walken with his weird accent and his bleach blonde hair, and it's like, and he's like a weird sort of like software mogul, I think, or, and you've got yeah. the blimp, and the blimp, and, and you've got Grace Jones as, as like the Bond henchman, which is, which is great and also weird at the same time. No, Dude, but. I loved it. <laughs> but there are, but the, like, I really, like if now if I were to rank the more movies, this is another thing we'll probably disagree on. Like I would put For Your Eyes Only as my favorite Roger Moore movie, when it's actually the one that's like the most sort of stripped down, and like 
That was a more serious the, tone, yeah. It's like the the more serious of all of them, probably. Like less gadgets. It's got a real yeah. It's got like a revenge plot mm-hmm. that you occasionally get in some of the other movies, but it's much more grounded. And then like we were joking about Moonraker. Moonraker was the first Bond movie that I saw in the theater. <laughs> like I said, I probably saw other ones before that on television. Like the like probably the Connery runs or maybe Live and Let Die are going, you know. But I mean, it's certainly true now, especially in the in England. But like, I mean, Bond movies used to be. I think ABC always had them when I was a kid, and you can be sure that like there would be a Bond movie like once every two months or so, when you still had like the Sunday night movie. Yeah. So, well, and again, yeah. the weird and again, the weird thing is like I probably saw a lot of them cut. There's it's funny. Um. There's a, there's a scene that I had never seen all the times that I had seen from Russia with Love on television. There's a scene that's never shown in the TV version that I didn't know existed until the first time I ran it on VHS. Where, if you remember, there's like a hitman. Well, one, the, the gypsy, the fight between the two gypsy girls. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, well. What we used to call gypsy girls, I guess, you know, Romani dancers, but yes. You're right. You know, there's like the cat fight between the the two Romani girls in the camp. That used to never be on TV. And then the scene when there's like the guy that's chasing Bond that they shoot that's actually in the movie poster that's hiding out in the poster. I think it's a poster for What's Up, Tiger Lily. Where like he's hitting in the, like the mouth, the, that's tooth? In the movie poster. Yeah, yeah, and they shoot like that. A lot of times wasn't shown on the TV version. Wait a minute, they did. They wouldn't show that, but there's literally a sex scene where there's a mirror and they're filming Bond and the Bond girl. They let that go through. But but I mean, but it's that's a movie from 1964. There's no nudity, so it's well, like yeah, yeah. There's no like actual I mean, visual, but no, it's pretty suggestive. I mean, come on. But, no, but I was something. But I was going to say, if I were to rank the more movies, I would probably say, for your eyes only one, then probably Live and Let Die is two, or Spy Who Loved Me is two, and then hey, the other, and then the Live other. Live and Let Die. You're telling me you don't like the cartoonish ones, but Live and Let Die is your number two. When you, they literally have the air gun to shoot the villain, and he blows Live up. But see. <laughs> Well, see, 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 the reason the reason I love Live and Let Die is James Seymour, of course. James Seymour, of course, but it's this weird juxtaposition of James Bond being in a black exploitation movie. <laughs> it was it's so good. I I love it. It is like when I think of the seventies, I think of Live and Let Die. That is like the quintessential. You get. Every you get bell bottoms, you get the black sport. Everything you can think of in the seventies film is in *Live and Let Die*. I love that movie. Plus, plus *Live and Let Die* has an S tier henchman and Baron Zemetti. Yes, like with with the look and the laugh, and you know the fact that like that became copied in other forms of popular culture. You know, like. And Jeffrey Holder is so great in that part, too. So good. 
but like, I know him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that is, see, are you old enough to remember the seven up commercials? I did. Yes. Okay. I know the seven up commercials. I know like Annie, when I saw him there, I'm like, Baron Seminize and Annie. What the, what is this? Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that would be two or three spy. Who love me. See, I love spy. Who love me. I think the problem with that is it really is kind of like Thunderball, like with, or, um, with you only live twice, kind of with the numbers filed off. Cause it's like kind of the same plot, but instead of being in space, it's being underwater. Yeah. Well, hey, you mean Moonraker. Yeah. It's Moonraker, no. but yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's why you love me because Jurgens has the big giant, ship that's like he's capturing american and russian submarines and blaming it on the other ones which is kind of like what happened with blowfield does and you only live twice but with with the rockets true but it's more like uh like moonraker and he's trying to you know take over the world to cause world war ii or three that point and he's like he's pitting the you know the world powers together or against each other right so yeah yeah kind of and and like, I, like Moonworker, I think is fun for being very campy, but I think Drax is like not, like, Drax. I think is like a C grade villain. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. I, I mean, his he, he, personality. He, yeah. I mean, the problem is like a lot of the megalom the megalomaniacs. It's like, you know, when you have Blofeld at the top and Goldfinger. Yes. That's like. They like a lot of them are sort of pale imitations. Isn't the problem with Blofeld is you've got three different Blofelds? <laughs> yes. And it, yes, well, if you're watching Diamond Is Our Forever, yes. Well, of course, the funny thing with and the you know the funny thing about the three Blofelds is like they actually get instead of uh, looking worse and worse every film from like Wear and Terror or Fighting Bond. He like gets he improves every film. <laughs> yes. Like like in the first film, it, like it's Donald Pleasant, so he's bald and he's got a scar on his face. And then you go to Telly Savalas, who's just bald and got funny earlobes, and then you get Charles Gray and Diamonds Are Forever, and he's fine and he's got hair. So yes. it, like it goes backwards. <laughs> yes. Well, and then you you skip that. You go to more. Uh, oh God, which one was it? Where he literally starts the beginning of the movie by getting rid of Blofeld, which was like, what the hell? Well, it, Blofeld in air quotes. Well, yeah, yeah. I On mean, it's like, I mean, he's never, na- I mean, it's a bald guy with a cat. So yeah. you presume it's Blofeld, but like it never actually, again, there's no, there's no body and he's never officially named. Yeah. Well, in- to be fair, you don't really see him again. I think they they just needed a way out. And they're like, look, right. we just need to get him out. We just we we have to cap this off. So first five minutes, we'll do it. Bomb done. But then I would put Moonraker, and then probably, well, like I would I would maybe even though I made fun of View to a Kill earlier, I may put View to a Kill above Octopussy. No, are you serious? Even though it's got Maude Adams. Love- Dude. You know my, you know what my favorite thing in Octopussy is. What's that? Is the uh, is the the guy with the retractable whipsaw uh, shuriken thing? <laughs> yeah. That's that's my favorite thing in Octopussy. 
Well, that was just like the most talk about a cool gadget you want. It's like, what in the world is that? Because oh. it's funny because like it was like at this that was like almost like the same. It's like a year or two before Krull. Yeah. You know where Krull had like the the sort of multi arms uh, yeah. shirk shirking thing that he would throw at people. <laughs> but see, I, see, that's the thing is, I don't really. That's the thing is, see, like for all the joking, I don't really hate any of the any of the more movies. I don't really hate them. Well, what what would be your number one of all time? Like, what is okay. the, the number my, one? My number one, although this is. This is the kind of thing where it's like um, atypical. It's the kind of thing where it's like it's underrated, but people say it's underrated so much that it's not underrated. My number one is from Rush with Love, and That's, then yeah, and then pro, and then Goldfinger, and then Doctor No. Prob that I like. I really like like Doctor No is so stripped down. But now it's all see, Doctor No also has the weird thing now in hindsight where you've got like the white British guy playing a Chinese Well, I guess he's technically he's he's technically like half Chinese, half British, so like it's you know, it's a British guy in I haven't watched it lately, so I don't really remember how offensive the makeup may or may not be that they gave him. Like it's it's not like well, Peter's I mean he's not like uh, so the fact that uh, you only live twice exists might be worse than Doctor No. Literally dressing Sean Connery up as a, a, a yeah. Oriental person. I mean, literally. Come on. <laughs> that yeah, that's strange credibility. Although it's funny, there. I mean, there's some really interesting things in You Only Live Twice. But uh, but yeah, I would probably even though that has Blofeld in it, and like it's in Japan, and there's like lots of cool Japanese. <laughs> Somebody I know one of my friends one of my friends who like who like the who like this is his like niche of popular culture said you only live twice is probably what introduced most of the Western world to the idea of a ninja. Really? Like, I didn't even think about that. I mean because there really wasn't a lot I mean because you really if you think about sort of like serious Japanese stuff, you I mean you had lots of samurai stuff. But like Mainstream, like accepted art films, were always sort of samurais. It's never like ninja stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, you would. I mean, I mean, if you were somebody who knew about like Hong Kong films in the seventies, yeah, sure. But like for your like mainstream person, I mean, this is. I mean, we're talking about like nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah, you know, Kurosawa doesn't have a lot of ninjas. You know, Ozu doesn't have a lot of ninjas. It's all, you know, you know, it's all Tashiro Mifune. It's all Tashiro Mifune performing, playing samurais. I didn't even stuff. think about that. Yeah, holy cow. But yeah, but yeah, it's hard to it's hard to ignore. I mean, that's all. That's like almost as bad as like when like Captain Kirk turned into a Romulan in that one episode, <laughs> where it's just where it's like Shatner, but like you've given him Vulcan ears and the Vulcan eyebrows, yeah, and like maybe maybe a tan. But no, but but uh but yeah, but for like normal bond from Russia with love is is like my definite number cuz I think like Red Grant is like maybe like the best. See, it's weird because he's technically like he's the number one villain, but he's also the henchman because you've kind of got Blofeld in from Russia with love, although not really. 
Maybe the Russian, uh, what's her name? The, uh. Yeah, Rosa Kreb. Rosa, yeah, number, with, with number her, three. With her, <laughs> with her, with her shoe in the, uh. <laughs> the her, knife shoe! <laughs> the knife shoe. Oh. But, but my number one, number one, all things considered, for all of the wrong reasons, is how much I love Casino Royale, the original, the 1960s. The 1960s, yeah. Again, see, I was sort of bemoaning the comedy in Roger Moore, but see, Casino Royale is just such its own beast. Like, if you know anything about the history of the film, like, it went through dozens of, dozens of scripts. It has five different directors. Like, the reason that movie feels like it's different movies is because it really is different movies put together. See, I, I don't know any of this history. I remember I, when I, when I first, my first ever movie was Goldeneye back in the 90s. I went to see that in the theater and I fell in love with it. Watched everything else. And then you get to the, you know, you, you ask people like, oh, what's a, what's a good Bond movie? What's a good Bond movie? And then you get the people who are like, well, Never Say Never doesn't count because of this thing. And then you get, no, Casino Royale doesn't count. And you watch them and you're like, okay. I mean, I like them. I like them for what they are. But I never like really dove into like Casino Royale because it was never like quote unquote part of the canon of, of right. uh, Bond. And Never Say Never again has we're talking about gadgets. One of the coolest things in any Bond movie ever, and Never Say Never again is like the computer game that he that they they play against each other yeah. with like like the whole like I always call it holographic risk. Yeah. But I mean. But for a Holy. movie made for a movie made in 1984, that is like an amazing special effect, dude. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, and you know, the movie also has 1984 Kim Bassinger in it, which doesn't hurt either. No, no. Well, going along those lines, top Bond Bond girl. Well, see, this is like a weird. This again, this is like a weird asterisk. That to me, the number one Bond girl should be Money Tracy. No, no, it should it should be it should be Tracy because one, not only does she actually marry Bond, which makes it makes her important, but two, it's Diana Rigg. It's Mrs. Yeah. It's Mrs. Peel in a Bond movie, and she's arguably like the most equal. Like love interest, minute, Bond minute, has minute. in a movie. You put George Lesenby at the bottom of your list. You listed all the other bombs before. Oh no! Oh, oh, come on oh, now! Oh, oh! I actually really like. I I think Honor Majesty Secret Service is a really good movie, and it's amazing. I love that movie. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, Lesenby was kind of like the butt of jokes because he was only in the one movie, and he had been a model and all this other stuff. But it's like. If you were to take Honor Majesty Secret Service and put Connery in that, that would be like one of the top two or three movies because it is all I mean, it's a good movie. It has this stuff because it's Tracy and he gets married and you have Blofeld and then you have the end when she gets killed. You know, so it all it all works. It's like it's slightly hindered by it being Lazenby, but Lazenby isn't bad. It's just like the movie would be so much better if it was Connery or Moore. See, I don't know about that. I don't know about. It. I think that 
it gets a lot of uh, a stigma because it's not Sean or, you know, it's not Connery. It's not Roger Moore. It's not the quote unquote real Bond. But if you, I really think that if someone who's never seen any Bond movie, you show them that one first, they will be like, that guy's James Bond. He has the look. He, he does everything right. But I think he just never got a chance from the get go because he wasn't Connery. Everyone other- automatically hated him. Like, Oh, He's not real. He's just a faker. He's just the in-between before we find the real one. The two, th- the other two things that I love about Honor Majesty's Secret Service are um, they're, they're meta-textual. They're meta yeah. One... In the beginning! One, this wouldn't yeah, happen to the other guy. <laughs> right. When he says that, that's funny. It's so good! And two, like, that's one of the best... Um, title sequences with one like the the John Barry music and like the fact that you're you're showing clips of the other Bond movies. Yeah, where you're, you're saying we know this isn't Sean Connery, but this is the same James Bond. You know, so it's like you know, well, we're still showing like the silhouettes of the naked women, like we always do because it's a Bond movie, but like. You know, here's Ursula Andress. You know, here's Shirley Eaton Painted Gold. Here's Honor Blackman. You know, here's uh, the Italian lady in Thunderball, whose name I never remember. Here's the <laughs> Japanese lady in You Only Live Twice. You know, here's him, you know, with the jetpack. You know, yeah. here's here's Goldfinger. Here's Odd Job. It's the same. I mean, we didn't. You know, we didn't necessarily use words like continuity then, but it's like it's the same continuity, it's the same universe, whatever. But, but I think for me, that's what made all the movies for for Bond from the '60s all the way from Connery all the way up to uh, to Brosnan so good is that they were. You, there was kind of an understanding of yeah, there's a new guy in here, but it's all the same kind of continuity. You know, it, you can just assume that the Pierce Brosnan bond was the same one from, you know, the Sean Connery from, you know, honor magic, you know, whatever they were all the same. And then they kind of, and that's where I think it kind of breaks off when, uh, when, when, uh, God, Daniel Craig kind of breaks in and he basically reboots everything. And it, it turns into, I, I don't want to say a worse kind of series, but it, it, they all link into each other. So, Casino Royale in 2006 goes into the next movie. So they all kind of flow into each other, whereas Goldeneye, the first Bond that was Pierce Brosnan, it doesn't really go into any of the other films. It's the same characters, the same everything, but if you don't watch the first one, it doesn't really matter if you watch the second one, whereas Casino Royale, you get more info for Skyfall or for Spectre or for any... So it all kind of joins together, and I think that's to the detriment of it. To me, the, thing anyway. that, the one thing that I do love about we're talking about continuity, the one thing I do love about the Bond movies is the constant the constant recasting of Felix Leiter. <laughs> yes, it, it's well, funny. <laughs> just, well, he got eaten by a shark. I mean, come on, what are you going to do with that? But I mean, it's like it's like you start with Jack Lord. You know I mean, it's like you kind of you know, it's like where can you go from it being Jack Lord? And, and that's another funny thing I liked about from and never seen ever again when they cast Bernie Casey to play Felix Slater. <laughs> yes. 
you know, that's – and the great thing is I didn't notice it at the time because when I saw Never Say Never Again, it was probably the first time I saw Rowan Atkinson. Really? Well, because, I mean, I don't think – You don't watch Mr. Bean? But but Mr. Bean – but in 1984? Was it? Uh, oh no, he would have been on. Uh, oh God, yeah, Mister. I mean, I mean, at that point. no, I mean, like he was doing Blackadder. Yeah, but like, I don't think PBS stations were showing Blackadder yet. No, yeah, we wouldn't have gotten it over here. Yeah, they weren't doing any British stuff. You wouldn't have seen no like, so Monty they, Python like, or anything like that. Okay, no, yeah. no, no, no. My Python was on PBS. Was it? And Doctor, yeah. Monty Python, maybe I wasn't allowed to watch it back then, maybe. No, I mean, Monty Python started in the United States on PBS, like, in the 70s. Like, Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, the reason they... I was never they, allowed to watch that. <laughs> the reason, yeah, I mean, it, not surprisingly, it, like, it became this huge hit in colleges. Because that's, like, because they did American tours, like, in the 70s, because of how popular they were over here, because people watched it on TV. Okay. But, like, you know, a lot of those PBS shows started, like, PBS started in the 70s. Yeah. So, all of, like, so, like, Masterpiece Theater, like, I, Claudius, and Mighty Python, and, you know, like, PBS, and Doctor Who, like, PBS station showed Faulty Towers all the time, and because there's only, like, six episodes, you see the same ones over and over again. (laughs) Yes. You know, whereas at least with Doctor Who, although for a while they meant like only showed Tom Baker. So like or and then eventually Peter Davison when Peter Davison's episode started. But like for the long it wasn't until like the late eighties that like PBS started showing like the original doctors in black and white. Like people okay. had never people hadn't seen them over here because like I don't even know if they were on videotape by then. Like you had like tape trading maybe by then for I'd have to think, that's something I'd have to stop and think about. No, but, I mean, yeah, so Blackadder was around, but, because I'd have to, like, look at Rowan Atkinson's credits, but I can't imagine I would have seen him in anything else in 1984, probably. Yeah. I'm trying to but, think. Yeah. Yeah. What's, you know, and the funny thing is that, like, this may have changed. But like, I think, I think, I think Eon finally did buy back the rights to Thunderball. But like a couple of years ago, like they were talking, somebody was talking about making Thunderball again. Because. <laughs> a third one? <laughs> because they, because they can, because MGM Eon didn't have the rights to it. Wow. I think, I think that's not true anymore. Well, yeah. I, I know they went through that whole uh, rigmarole where they were going to sell off rights to Bond or pieces of Bond, and I was like, "What in the world?" Because for like a while, it was United Artists for a while, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't, for for me, I don't. Have you, have you read anything about what their their ideas that they're they're throwing around for uh, new Bond? No, not really. They, they're throwing around an idea, and I guess it's just rumor, speculation, whatever you want to call it. They're throwing around an idea of rebooting it completely all over again, just like what they did with Casino Royale with Daniel Craig, except they're going to make it into a period piece where it's going to be in the 70s and 80s. I, I have long said 
that they should make like Bond. You should make Bond movies set in the sixties again. That would be. I would love that kind of a, a setup where you have Bond start from the beginning all over again, except it is the sixties, the seventies, whatever. That would be because I then mean, you can go through and have all the good. Bond villains and all the good you can go through the historical of you know, we have the Soviet Union now and all that. Oh, what would be interesting is if you said a Bond movie in the sixties would be you would have you would it would have to have sort of like present day mores. So like you would probably have to, like the Bond girl would probably have to be just as good as, you know I mean? She wouldn't just be like an eye candy to be rescued. You know what I mean? And you yeah, could not, yeah. you know, and you and you couldn't have, for lack of a better term, like the casual racism that you still had in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that aspect of it, and I don't know how I feel about that. That's why I love just going back and watching the old like, right. Connery but there's also the aspect of would they even consider doing all the gadgets and stuff? Because realistically, like looking back in the 60s and 70s, that was the cool thing to do. Nowadays, it's more like, well, you'd probably want more of a, a realistic, gritty bond. And you wouldn't even have Q. That's, that's one of my mean. I love Q. I love the ridiculousness of it. And I think that's why I, I personally I love the more films. My favorite and my number one of all time is Man with a Golden Gun. Simply because of how ridiculous and, you know, all the different, like, having a flying car and every, it just, it was so much, it was fun and it wasn't super, like, serious because I, I guess for me it's more of, I want to enjoy it and laugh a little bit instead of being reminded of how terrible the world is and I don't want to watch James Bond that he's saving uh kids from you know human trafficking and you know thinking about the the uh the the deeper darker side of murder and everything I'm like i i get that but that's not what i'm watching for i want to see roger moore jump into a flying car or get into what looks like a a racetrack with a horse and he, he comes out with this magical car that does everything he could possibly think of that's what i want Run, run across a river full of crocodiles. Exactly. You know, he, magically he doesn't slip on any of these slippery wet lizards. <laughs> uh, speaking of, have you ever seen the clips of like when they actually filmed that and watched the stunt guy doing it? Oh Lord, no, <laughs> no. I'll, have to, I'll, have to, I'll dig that up and I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah said that. There's, that is, I don't want. Oh. I don't want to say bloopers because that would imply like. Like the like the stunt guy like fell in the water and got eaten or something. But I was gonna uh, say there's no bloopers. It's just win it or you'd get a new stunt guy because the last guy didn't make it. No, but it's funny to say that you wouldn't want a Bond dealing with like gritty real world issues that make you depressed. But if we have Bond said in the Cold War where we there might be nuclear war, that's different. It is because uh, at least in a, in that aspect, if you if you set if they came out and said, look, the next Bond is going to be set in, like. The 1970s, you know, 1980s, height of the Cold War. I can look at that and go, I know that number one, he's going to win. Number two, we, we, it all ended well. <laughs> you know, but when you get the microcosm of he's going to save all these children, you know, hopefully from human trafficking, it's like, well, there's no guarantee that's going to work out. 
Because, you know, you know there's going to be at least one that they have to, you know, make some kind of a moral statement with. The one kid didn't make it or whatever. And it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I know That's- that he kills the Russians, he kills the Soviets, and we're good. That's all happy. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's sort of like, like we're talking about sort of like the dip in the late 80s and 90s, and it's like, you know, I don't need to see, like, Bond just dealing with, like, Robert Davy as a drug trafficker. Yeah. Like, it's almost like that's beneath I, Bond. I, not even, I don't want to say beneath him, it's more just so gritty, and that's why I love the Dalton movies, but they are a whole different, I appreciate them for what they were, and I do think that they are underrated. I think Dalton was an amazing Bond. But again, when you're dealing with, you know, d- drug trafficking and, you know, people getting eaten up by uh, sharks down in the, the Caribbean, it's like, I don't, don't want to do that. Now, if there were sharks with lasers. 100%. That's I want Blofeld. <laughs> that's what, and I, I do, I love the Austin Power movies. I know that the third, everyone hates Goldmember. I appreciate them for, you know, the, the shtick, the, the, uh, the, the run up on Bond that they really were. I appreciate that and I love them so much. See, what I love, I mean, I love Austin Powers too, but like, I'm also a big fan of like the sort of more spoofy spy movies that were actually from the 60s. Like, like I think the end like Flint movies are really, are really good. Well, did you do like get smart, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, I'll get yeah. smart too. See, okay. it's funny. It's funny. I love get smart as a kid, not realizing that like this show was created by Mel Brooks, <laughs> and it's like now, even though he really didn't like have much to do with like the day to day or anything, but it's like now I when I know that like get smart was like created by Buck Henry. And Mel Brooks, I'm like, well, how could this not be a great show? This is kind of like, this is way off on a tangent, but like the last pod that we did, I was talking to a guy who wrote a book about it, but I was talking about how great Green Acres is. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, when the last time, like, you ever, or if you ever watched Green Acres or I, any of the. I never got into it. I've seen Green Acres, but I never, it was one of, not one of my mainstays. But I did not appreciate it. I mean, as a kid, it's very silly. But, like, watching it now with, like, a much more learned, cultured eye for pop culture, like, how wonderfully subversive it is and how surreal and how metatextual. Like, there's at least ten episodes. I mean, the show lasted for, like, 150 episodes or something like that, like six years. There's at least, like, Six or seven episodes, maybe like a dozen, where when they do the opening credits, like not the opening credits theme song, but like when you come back from commercial and you show the credits. Yeah. They're like metatextual gags and the people in the show can see them. (laughs) Like, yes, there's one where like um, Eva Gabor is making breakfast. And she flips over the pancakes and it has like written by Jay Southern. And then, like, the toast pops up, and it says, like, directed by John Smith. And then, like, Oliver walks in, and she's like, Oliver, look at the toast. It's got the names on it again. Or there's <laughs> there's one where they have, like, this little girl staying with them. And they're sitting in the living room, and she goes, 
here they come. And like, the, the, she's like, see, They're, that's the director. He's the important one. And then like the producer, he's the guy in charge. And then like Oliver walks in. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm showing Diane the names. I figured if she was going to live here, she should get used to seeing them. You know, and then there's all the stuff about, you know, like the, you know, the pig, like the pig is probably like the fame, the thing that like most people know from Green Acres that like the smart pig that can watch TV and blah, 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 blah. There's an episode where, um, Arnold's in a local play. He's, he's, it's a play and he's, he's playing a dog, but the dog is sick that day. So Arnold's filling in for the dog. And Lisa says, Arnold was so great, she's going to call a friend of hers from Hungary who's now a Hollywood producer. And so they decide that Arnold's going to become a Hollywood star. So they take him out, and then there's all these jokes about being in Hollywood and all this reference. So then they get to the thing, and the guy's previous star before Arnold was a horse. Like a horse movie. Like, not a talking horse, but just like a horse. I was going to say it's not Mr. Ed, right? No, no. Although there, there is a Mr. Ed a gag in Green Acres in a different episode. Um, so, but like, the horse's agent asked for too much money, so the producer replaced the horse with Arnold. <laughs> so then Arnold is talking to the horse on set, because they can talk, because we've established that all the animals can talk to each other. Even though they're like Arnold is still grunting and the horse is still weighing, they can, and there's subtitles, so you know what they're saying. Yes. And Arnold says something to, to the horse, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry, I took you." And the horse says, "Oh, you know what's really bad about this is," and then you cut to him, and there's a little pony standing next to to the horse. And he says, <laughs> "Now that I don't have this money, I'm not going to be able to send." my son to college. And if he can't go to college, he's going to be drafted. Oh, wow. And then then Arnold feels bad. And so he like no shows, um, his screen call so that the guy has to hire back the horse. So the horse gets his job back. But I'm like, man, I wouldn't have expected green acres of all things to like slide in this like Vietnam joke. Yeah. So, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, I didn't appreciate as a kid because it's just funny to watch now. So there's well, there's our, there's another recommendation. I rec- love that. I love that. So for everybody listening, there's a recommendation. If you did not listen to the podcast where we talked about Green Acres, go back and listen and watch Green Acres. 100%. I might have to pull that up. I'm assuming I, I can probably stream that. I might have to look that up. It is on some sh- – there. there's lots of clips on YouTube. Okay. I'm I'm not sure. I'll send I'll send you one specifically when we're done. I'll find some bunch of clips to send it to. And I'll probably I may embed them in the show notes too. But uh Yeah. Yeah, there's it's I mean, that's one of the things I mean, like the sort of short form podcast that I do is like looking at a lot of like sort of weird and like kind of under the radar stuff cuz originally the other podcast was only supposed to be about spy sh- when we're talking about spy shows. I think we talked about this before because I told you to go back and listen to some of them. Yeah. That like originally the other podcast was just going to be about spy stuff. So there's an episode about mission impossible. There's like one of the ones has like stuff from man from uncle, by the way, RIP David McCallum. Yes. I know, saw that. 
So, yes, kids, before he played Ducky for like 15 years on NCIS, he was like a hip young, he was like the heartthrob spy on television. Yes! When he, when he was, speaking of the Cold War, when he was Ilya Kiriakin. But there's a great episode of that, that one of the ones we did the podcast on, where he goes, and this episode is called The Bat Cave Affair, and there's a thrush agent who's trying to, who, who is holding airports around the world for ransom because he controls, he has this radar system, so he controls bats. So he sends, <laughs> so he sends bats to airports to mess up the radar so flights can't take off. Until they pay him ransom. So the fun, so that's not the best part. The best part is, this guy thinks he's a vampire, and his name is Count Zark, and he's played by Martin Landau. So imagine, so Martin Landau is playing this vampire, pretending to be a vampire, using the Bella Lugosi voice that he would use 20 years later when he played Bella Lugosi and won an Oscar for Ed Wood. I love it. Holy. Oh. But see, that's the kind of thing where it's like, yes, TV is great now. I'd rather watch Green Acres and The Man from Uncle. But that's just me. I'm an old guy who likes old stuff. I don't know. I mean, I would argue that, I mean, there's there's uh, more modern shows. You have, I wouldn't even call it a rare. It was it, infrequent, like a show that's like, oh, you got to watch this show. But then you have five or ten others that are like, eh, I just watch it because, you know, I'm bored. Whereas it feels like you go back to the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, you had at least one show every, you know, year or two that was just you had to watch. You had to keep up with these shows or there's multiple shows. Now it feels like you get once every one, once in a while you get like you, you get a, a Game of Thrones or uh, any other show that's like, hits the in the mainstream and everyone has to watch it. It's like one. And it's the every thing, few years. Yeah, the thing that I'm behind on now that I haven't gotten around to because I don't have the right streaming provider is I have not watched this revived series for Justified. Because I love the original Justified. Because I love Deadwood. So, well, I mean... Justified? Justified? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a new... There's a new series that's on it's either on Hulu or FX or both. Okay. It's called like like Justified Primeval or City Primeval. Let me now I'm gonna have to Justified. Justified City Primeval. Okay. So, yeah, it's Raylan. It's Raylan, not in Kentucky. He's like what Raylan in the city. Okay, but like Timothy Oliphant's still in it. It's still, I would say, still has the cast, right? It has or it's some, just Timothy Oliphant in a whole different city. Um, it's Timothy Oliphant in a different city, and without, I don't want to spoil too much, but. There's some old cast and mostly new cast, but I don't. I wouldn't want to say who from the original series is in this version. Okay. I, I do not want to give away whether or not like Boyd is in the series or not. 
<laughs> might be. Might you gotta be. have Walter in there or Walton. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, right. Goggins. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he may be in this. He may not be in this. I don't want to say. But I mean, cause, yeah, it's like said it. It's set in Miami because I mean, like a lot of the Elmore Leonard novels are like seemingly like set in Miami or Detroit. It seems like. Yes. So. Oh. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I know this is going to be good when I get around to watching it. I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. Because I'm also... Are you one of those people, because I've turned into one of those people now, where I... If you caught me back in the 90s, I would watch every single week. I had to watch the new episode. Now that I'm older, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to wait till the season's over, and I'm going to watch it all in one shot. It it depends. I think it... Largely depends on how it's released. Like if it's like if it's the like a Marvel show where they only release one a week, or like Game of Thrones or the spinoff where it is only once a week. I'm not going to wait because you like if I were to say like Loki is starting next week. Mm-hmm. So it's it, let's say it's six episodes. I am not capable of waiting six weeks to watch all six episodes without everything being spoiled for me. Oh, so and you, you want to know and, the secret to that? I don't tell anyone that I like anything, so no one knows what shows I watch. So no one but, knows which ones to spoil for me because I don't watch anything, as far as I know. Well, see, the, the other thing is, I'm actually pro. I'm I'm pro spoiler, but not in ruining it. Like, I don't mind knowing about stuff before I watch it. Like, you know, I would – now, would I have been upset if you had told – like, if it had been like that episode of The Simpsons where I'm going to see Empire Strikes Back <coughs> and somebody walks out and says, I can't believe Luke is Darth Vader's son? <coughs> no, but Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Luke is Darth Vader's son? Yeah, I'm. Oh, I, I didn't mean to spoil. What it for the you. dude? I haven't seen that movie yet. That's right, because you don't watch. Because you don't watch. Because you don't watch Star Wars. I, 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 that was next on my list, man. You just ruined it. Because, from my point, this is this is like this is a philosophical thing that I'll discuss with people. Because I'm from an era before spoiler culture was a thing. I grew up reading about stuff knowing what the plots were before I saw it. Like, okay. Like, bef- like okay, so you, GoldenEye was your first Bond movie. Now, yeah. had, had you ever read, like, the James Bond encyclopedia that was, like, about all of the other movies before that? Nope. Okay. See, I did. So, like, because back then, when I was a kid, there's no guarantee something that you would ever get to see something old. Maybe well, it's on, maybe it's on TV. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, th- I'm talking about before we had videotape. So this is like me. This is me. At, like as a, up until being a teenager, like we did not get our first VCR until I was like 12 or 13. So any movie Citizen Kane, right? 
yes, Citizen Kane was was probably on television at some point when I was growing up. But then again, I probably that's not a movie I would have watched as a kid. Like, what's a kid like? Uh, like some like fan like or like some TV uh, show. I would. I'm not. I'm the most worst one to ask about that because when I was a kid. You watched Terminator. You watched Alien. You watched these terrible rated R movies because my mom was like, as long as there's no boobs in it, you're fine. <laughs> right. So I could watch all the murder I wanted. It was it was the worst. But um, but like, you know, some famous like like Gone with the Wind or no Wizard Wizard of Oz was Wizard of Oz. But like, say Wizard of Oz wasn't on TV every year. Like, it was on every so often, every couple of years. So there's no guarantee that I'm ever going to see this. So if I read a book about the Wizard of Oz that spoils everything, okay, so now I know what this movie's about. When I see it, that's not that big a deal. Or, you know, like, I would buy books of, like, Encyclopedia of Monster Movies. You know, like, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man... Whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, no, like, I'm probably going to see them because they're, like, on – they were on Saturday afternoon horror channel. On, like, your UHF station that had your creepy ghoulie host guy. Like, your, your Sven Ghoulie. Because yeah. every – Sven Ghoulie, I haven't heard that forever. Because, okay. you know, it used to be, much like every TV market had its own kid show host – Every TV market had its own, like, Saturday afternoon, like, Spinguli, or better yet, Count Floyd from mm-hmm. SCTV. So, you know, you would see Frankenstein, Dracula, Godzilla, you know, and then the bad movies like Giant Praying Manus or whatever. You'd, you know, you'd see all these yeah. kind of things. But, you know, there's no guarantee. It's like, that's like a thing where you, that's one of the things, like when I talk to younger people at work, it's like, you know, you you have access to just about anything you can imagine. It's almost like have it's sort of like modern, like the internet slash modern culture is like having like a Aladdin's lamp. Yeah, I want to see this like 1935 German expressionist film made by Fritz Lang. It's on the Criterion Channel. Or, oh, I can order it from, you know, Vinegar Syndrome. Or Shudder showing it. Or, you know, you know TCM showing all kinds of weird old... Like, and the great thing about TCM is it doesn't always show good stuff. It shows old stuff that may have famous... <laughs> like, I was telling this to, to a, a girl I work with who was, who was like younger like in her like early 30s probably but she's a huge fan of vincent price the tingler so i'm so i'm like so i'm like okay have you seen this yes have you seen this yes house of wax all that yeah okay yeah like like house of wax raven murders in the room org all the poe movies whatever yeah you know fives i'm like have you ever seen like witchfinder general no, because for a while that was like a not that was like a band movie for a while because it's about um, Vincent Price is a witchfinder general during 
of the English Civil War. So he's going around killing witches. Or, you know, quote-unquote killing witches. Yeah. But, like, there's a bunch of stuff in that that kind of, like, let it be banned for a while. So I've never seen that. And then I start naming all these movies that Vincent Price made before he was in the horror movies. So I'm like, have you seen... Like, he's in the Song of Bernadette, which is, like, this religious movie starring Teresa Wright that, like, won an Oscar. You know, it's like the girl in, like, 7th century France who, like, saw visions of the Virgin Mary and, like, went to the well and became a nun. You know, like, one of those. Like, he's in that. You know, he's he's in this movie I had never seen before the other day. Or last month when it was um, TCM, uh, like August, you know, like the thing where TCM does where it's one person all day movies. Yeah, yeah. So it was Vincent Price Day. So they showed a lot of what we were talking about. But there's this movie called like, oh, and I'm going to get it wrong. But it's called like the, the President of Mexico or the President of New Mexico or something like that. So it's like based on based on a true story where there was this guy and this is like in the late 1800s who was like buying up all this land in like the American Southwest and like decided to like make, he was going to become his own country and he was like the president of this country. Like I'd never seen this movie before. Like I may have like heard about it and there's Vincent Price just playing this guy. I mean, He's a little kind of shifty and devious, but he's not like mustache twirling, you know, pit in the pendulum, Vincent Price. Or, you know, like he's in Laura, which is like this famous, you know, tearjerker movie from the 40s. And you're like, hey, it's Vincent Price. That's cool. And it's like, you know, I'd rather watch this cool Vincent Price movie from 1940 that I've never heard of than like go to the movies and see, like, some generic comedy. Now, it's like, you know, it's all Barbie, but, like, you know, your average run-of-the-mill comedy, it's like, I'd rather see this cool movie from 1940 starring Vincent Price. Yeah, well, I mean, going back to, like, the the, the spoiler topic, I'm, for me, I'm on... I don't care whether people want things spoiled or not. I more care of the, 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 I guess the, the way it's found out. Like if I go out and I'm say, Hey, tell me everything about Starfield. Cause I, I, you know, I want to know about it before I jump in and play it. The first thing I would say to that person is, do you care about spoilers? Because I'll tell you everything if you want. I don't care if you're looking for it. Whereas if someone wants to just jump in and say, Hey, you're really interested in Starfield. Here's how it ends, or this is the major plot point. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No one asked for that. Please, you know, if not, people aren't asking for it, then don't, you know. If, but if someone wants to know, then yeah, you know, because some people enjoy it. Like, for me, there's some things I really care about. Like, I, I, I won't, don't tell me anything about this topic because I want to go in and experience it like that, you know, naked. Like, I don't know anything about it. And then there's other things like, hey, Expendables 4 comes out, and I love action, cheesy movies. If anyone wants to spoil that for me, I don't care, because I'm not there for the storyline. I'm there to, to see the action and blah, 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 so it doesn't matter to me. So there, there's, like, that aspect of it. Or being able to look it up, like, you know, oh, there's some old Vincent Price movies. Like, yeah, 
tell me about the tingler. I don't care if you give me the the the, the twist ending or whatever. That's fine because it's a movie from like the 1958. It's totally fine. I don't care. I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to enjoy it. Definitely. So yeah, I, yeah. It, yeah, there's that aspect to it. So yeah, just when it comes to spoilers, at least for me, and I know everyone treats spoilers differently. Like there's some people who are like, don't tell me I've never seen return of the Jedi or, you know, or whatever. And don't spoil that Darth Vader is his father. It's like, well, it's kind of like, 30, 40 years old, maybe you're a little late on that boat. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I sort of go by the rule by, like, if a movie's out, don't spoil it. If it's now been on DVD, and, like, well, when it used to be, like, when it would debut on HBO, it's (laughs) like, then it's kind of fine because it's, like, easily available. By the way, the... The movie in question that I was referring to is actually called The Baron of Arizona. It's not even Mexico at all. <laughs> well, I mean, it's close. I thought, to, they're next door neighbors. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking it was like New Mexico. So, <laughs> they're next to each other. <laughs> I have the I have the plot right. <laughs> I mean, so, to be fair, they are pretty similar. I would say from an outsider looking in. Having driven through both of them, they appear when you're like driving for five or six hours and nothing you see is desert. Then they they kind of look the same. Yeah, when you the only way you can know is that there's a sign in the middle of the road saying, "Oh, welcome to Arizona." And you're like, "Oh, okay, we're in Arizona now." We took a trip for my 40th birthday, and part of it was driving from um, Monument Valley, which is like technically in Utah to Albuquerque. That was like a seven hour drive just through the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause I had already had like two, six hour flights and I was like, you know, I'm just tired of flying on this trip. So, <laughs> so I'd rather look at the, uh, the desert for six hours. Well, I mean, it's like, I'd never been there before. So it's like, I did that when like, you know, there's, parts of the country I haven't been through like we went to New Orleans one year and we didn't fly we drove from the east coast and that's like 18 hours Ooh, but, yeah I mean so but I mean over like three days so it's like you know go a little that's far better. see some stuff stop see some stuff stop but like I had never been th- at that time like I had never been through like Georgia or Alabama or Louisiana or <coughs> Mississippi, like any of those cities, I'd never been through them. <coughs> so it was kind of like, well, you know, want to check these off the list. You know, it's like, like I still haven't been like to like large parts of the upper Midwest, never been to. So it's like still spots in the country that, like I haven't been through. I've been through, I've been through your state, although I was a very small child at the time, but it still <laughs> counts. You, so the thing that, that got me and you don't really know it until you do it. I drove from Colorado where I'm at down to uh, San Antonio, Texas. And that is a, uh, about a, like a 16 hour drive depending on, cause you're crossing time zone. So it depends on which way you're going. And 
they tell you, like, family was like, look, you know, when you get to Texas, it's like the end of the world because it takes forever to get across Texas because it's like the biggest state of all time. I'm like, okay, yeah, I've driven this before. Literally, out of the 15 hours, 10 of it was just in Texas. And I couldn't understand it. My brain just was, like, fried. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we're still in Texas? (laughs) How are we still in Texas? It is the the longest drive I've ever had because, especially if you're going from the north end of Texas down to the south end of Texas, it's just desert. It's just flat. And you'll run into a city now and then, but 90% of the drive is you're just on a road. There's nothing to look at. You get a t- you get a cactus over here. You might get a truck to stop over there. And I was just like, oh, my. This is the longest I've ever driven, and it just felt like even longer. I've never driven through Texas before, <coughs> and it was, like, eye-opening. Like, geez, just to get going, coming back home. It was, like, 10 hours. The whole day was just going from the bottom of Texas to the top of Texas. Like, what in the world? That, that was, was yeah, like when I went to college in Indiana, so it was like a ten and a half hour drive. But like by the time I was a senior, I had we had done it so many times I like knew the whole route. Like you could have like blindfolded me and then like shown me a picture of somewhere along the way and I'd probably be like, Oh yeah, that's western Pennsylvania. <laughs> or yeah, this is Ohio in between Columbus and Cincinnati. Just because, like, certain places I had seen, even though it was every every six months, I'd seen them, like, six or seven times. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. But, yeah, we drove we drove from the East Coast to Colorado when my, we were taking my cousin to college. So I don't know if it was... Like where, like I know we saw the mountain. I remember seeing the mountains. I mean, that could be any. So like I, I don't know the whole like right. western side of Colorado. <laughs> so I mean, so I don't know like if it was you know Denver or Boulder or Colorado Springs or wherever. I just know, but like I have no memory of that. Like I just I know that we did it, and I can't imagine how many that like it probably took two weeks, like a week out and a week back, probably. I'm guessing because I know. Yeah. I was going to go a couple of years ago. We were going to go on vacation to Kansas City, and like I started looking at it, and I'm just like, "Boy, this is really a lot longer than I thought it was going to be." So like, we ended up going to Tennessee instead. So like, we would have like, I actually like, we would have gone the same route that I would have gone to Kansas City. We just stopped in the middle. <laughs> yes. See, I'm. Maybe I'm a fool or whatever you want to call it, but whenever I take a trip, I do it all in one shot. Like, we, we took a trip up to uh, Wyoming, and we had to be there at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. So I said, all right, pack it up. We're going to be uh, leaving at midnight. And I just drove all night long. Or going down to Texas is a 15-hour drive. I'm like, all right, pack it up at, like, 11 o'clock at night. I'll drink some uh, energy drinks, and we'll be there by 6 p.m. the next day. No, I got to the point, whether it's just being old or the constant need to make rest stops, it's like I can pretty much do like seven, maybe eight. That's about my limit now that like I don't really – and, you know, 
didn't have the world's greatest eyesight anymore, so like I'd rather just drive during the day. So it's like, you know, I get up, I leave at 8 or 9, I get to where I'm going at like 4, 5, 6, depending on what time of year it is. And I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'll just pick up the, I'll pick up, I'll pick up, because like when I went to New Orleans, we went, we got about as far as like Knoxville, Pigeon Forge, which is about halfway. And that's where we stopped. And that's where we stopped on the way back. So it was like, Nine and nine. And again, you had the weird thing with the time zones. So it was, you know, you get there. It's the worst time. I don't know if I've ever told you this story before. The worst time zone story. Speaking of driving in, through the night. So on this trip where, for my 40th birthday. So we flew into Phoenix. So we were on, we were flying all day. We fly into Phoenix, get there at like six o'clock at night. So we're going to Monument Valley, which is right at the top of the, like, Arizona-Utah border, you know, where they film all the westerns. Yeah. So it's like a six, seven-hour drive. Drive all the way up there. Arizona, no daylight savings time. Yep. I love them for that. Yeah. Utah, daylight savings time. So we drive like the seven hours. It's one in the morning. As soon as we get there, it magically turns to two in the morning. <laughs> yep. And you're like, I just lost in like an hour of sleep by crossing this imaginary line. But well, yeah, dude, time zones are a killer, especially when you're driving, because when you're flying, you can like pretend like you were just in the air for that long. But when you're driving, you see it tick over like, uh, it was two. Now it's one again. What is going on? Or it was two. Now it's four. What the heck is going on? Yeah, it's funny when I was when I was in college in Indiana. Indiana is weird. Where it ha- Indiana has three time zones. I don't know if if you knew really. This. Well, if you think about the layout of the state, okay. So you have the northwestern part of Indiana that's basically a suburb of Chicago. That stays on Chicago time all year long. So, like, it's central, It's either, like, central daylight or central standard. So it is whatever Chicago is. And the southern part of the state that's like a suburb of Louisville stays on eastern time all year with Louisville, whether it's standard or daylight. The rest of the state doesn't do daylight savings time. <laughs> so, okay. So half the year you're on Eastern time and half the year you're on Central time functionally. Which now, isn't, which half this, I've, I've, I did not know that. I knew about Arizona because I have, I have family that lives in Arizona and they're just like, they don't do, they don't do it. It's the whole state. Half of it. They, so one half is like, we're with them and the other half is like, no, we don't even do it. No, it's like a no. It's it's even weirder because it's three. It's all eastern, all central, and none, which oh, is half Lord. eastern. If well, the see the annoying thing about that for where my priorities were at the time was suddenly for half the year, Sports Center was now an hour early, <laughs> and like football games now started at noon instead of one, and. Oh. But 
but I think primetime, I think, was, like, still normal. So, like, primetime, like, was still on Eastern time. So, like, I think, like, a show that would be on, like, 8 o'clock would still be on at 8 o'clock. It wouldn't be on at 7 o'clock. But cable, cable everything was off. Network matched. So it was very weird. And then you get used to it, and then you switch back. Jeez. So that I don't that I don't miss. Yeah, I wouldn't I, miss that either because I can understand choosing one or the other. But no, 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 we're doing it three different ways depending on your neighborhood. <laughs> definitely. Oh Lord. Well, Jason, I want to thank you for giving us so much of your time, much more I think than we were planning on. But uh, that's okay. And, and we talk about Roger Moore, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we started we started a little late. It'll spare everybody the gory details, but there were two traffic incidents on my way home, so it took me three times as long to get home uh, tonight as – so I got home right when our scheduled record time was. So uh, Jason was kind enough to let me scarf down a couple pieces of pizza before we started. But, again, you know, when you're going to talk about Starfield and you're going to talk about Roger Moore, it's worth the wait. Exactly. So uh, please feel free to plug away. People can watch you on your YouTube channel. Yeah, Jason Plays. Always, always, uh, we're doing a lot of No Man's Sky, but Starfield. We're also doing Cyberpunk, and, I mean, we're about to get hot and heavy with a lot of games coming out this uh, holiday season. And oh, then- yeah. Follow me on Twitter as well. Jason plays uh, NMS. Uh, we, I would be remiss if I, we did not give you the brief chance to, uh, we, we were talking about retro pop culture and we've been talking about spies. How excited are you? Even though they're not quite new, they're not quite brand spanking high def new, but for this, for the, uh, for Metal Gear Solid to come back. Dude, Metal Gear is in my top five uh, series or games, whatever you want to call it, of all time. Now, granted, there's a little bit of, like, not super pumped up because they're not really doing anything new to the game. It's basically now you can play it on modern machines. Like, if you have an old PS1, you can just pop in the disc. It's the exact same game. But you just have the modern convenience of, oh, I can download it on my new Xbox or my new PlayStation or my PC now. So there's not really anything new in it. I'm just more excited to it gives me a reason now that I can say it's a new game, I can stream it, so I can I can force everyone to to play it and watch me play it today or this year. That's what I'm excited about cuz I any chance I get to play Metal Gear, I cannot wait to do it. So, it gives I'll me say, a reason. I say for those of us that have known you long enough, uh one of your game handles used to be Metal Gear related. Yeah, literally and I, I'm still thinking I might need to change it just because, like, you know, content creation makes it simpler. On Xbox, I've had my Xbox uh, profile, my Xbox Live profile, since it was available for normal people. I know that other people have gotten it early, you know, when they first uh, were uh, prototyping it. But I was able to get in there early, and I am Solid Snake 1 <laughs> on, on Xbox, which is like, that was like a golden opportunity. I didn't get Solid Snake. That would have been perfect, but I got Solid Snake 1. As long as your handle wasn't Raiden 1. Hey, Raiden, decent. I, Metal Gear 2 has its place, and Revengeance has its place. 
if if it weren't twenty years ago, I, you know, I would have been uh, a youngster. Uh, if YouTube had been around in nineteen whatever, I, I would have been ranting about Metal Gear Two and Raiden, and just how <laughs> infuriating it made me. Did you ever play uh, Revengeance, or did you skip that? Because it's not a real quote unquote. It's like it is literally the never say uh, never say never of the Metal Gear series. I I honestly do not even remember if I played three. That like I may have been so upset. What the? That's blasphemy. Part three I, I, is so good. I'd have to think about it. It's like it's like you know. It's like there's just like so many things in two that. Very odd choices, and and then you get to the is is two. Now this is going to sound dumb because I don't remember. Is two Sons of Liberty? It is. Okay, that's one I was. I was just thinking about the plot, and like <laughs> when you get to the plot at the end, and you're just like, it's like if you remember how people felt at the end of Lost. <laughs> that's kind of the way some Dude. of us felt at, at the end of Metal Gear Two. Seriously. When it comes out, when they when they re-release the the Metal Gear collection in October, I think it's October fourteenth. Go back and play number two. I will tell you right now. I I play that game to death. The whole ending scenario will sound eerily similar to what we're dealing with right now. Literally sure. misinformation. <laughs> everything's fake. It was like going back and watching some clips from that and Revengeance. Revengeance will. Freaks you freaked me out. That came out, I think, in 2012, and it's Dead Ringer. You're like, what in the? Are these people time travelers? Because I mean, it's not like one to one, like exact copy, but it's like if you were to show this, like show the someone from Metal Gear Two era a headline from 2023, they would think that it was a Metal Gear game. You know, I and I will say. That I do love. I mean, we were talking about Bond and Bond villains. It's like some of the villains in Metal Gear Solid, between their design and their name, they have like Metal Gear Solid has some of the best Bond villain names. Dude, if you take a any kind of a Bond movie theme and just inject it full of steroids and speed, that would be Metal Gear. Just weird. It, to the extreme, but there's those roots in it, and you're like, dude, I love this. So I mean, good. one of my favorite names of all time is still Revolver Ocelot. Yes, yes. Psychomantis. It, oh. Psychomantis. It's it's like so it's so wonderfully campy Bond. Like <laughs> again, you know, it's like it's it's good and bad at the same time, which makes it even better. Yeah. That's probably where my love of uh, the more series come from. You got all these weird gadgets that are just outlandish but goofy and funny. Oh, dude, so good! Well, here's a great way for this to end to tie everything up that I I may have known and forgotten. So I still have Vincent Price's Wikipedia page up because I looked up the name of that movie. I don't know if I I'd forgotten this, Vincent. You know, when we used to have radio dramas, you know, like Orson Welles played the shadow and all that stuff? Yeah. Vincent Price, in the late 40s and early 50s, on radio, played Simon Templar the Saint. Are you serious? Okay. Speaking of 
See, we had not mentioned the fact that while that, that I love Roger Moore as Simon Templer, even though you know I like him a little less as Bond, but I love Simon oh, Templer. Well, you could go, you could do a farther reach and say uh, Val Kilmer did. I believe Val Kilmer did the same yeah. as well. And so we could reach into that and say, you know, Maverick and um, oh god, I'm trying to. I'm trying to reach into Metal Gear from Maverick now. I don't even know. I don't know how to do that. Never mind. We'll, we'll ignore that one. Well, have you ever watched? Let me let me sure I get this. Um, let me look this up just to make. I'm pretty sure this is right, but let me double check. Um, have you ever watched the television show called The Persuaders? With it Roger. Sounds- familiar but i've not seen it it's a it's a it's like a british sort of action comedy with tony curtis and roger moore no they're they're like two rich guys like one is like a rich new york uh stock car like stock market enthusiast but he drives race cars and whatever and roger moore is like this british guy who plays polo and like does all this but it's it's like there's not that many of them, but it's like it's very it's entertaining, but it's kind of like it's more kind. I mean, because this is, this is before he was Bond, because this is 1971, 72. But it's almost kind of spoofing, like not. This is not quite Roger Moore spoofing himself in Cannonball Run. <laughs> yes, you know, which is great. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I, uh, dude, yes. Where he's not actually Roger Moore, he's an he's a guy who thinks he's Roger. He's Moore. Roger Moore. <laughs> oh. Yes, Cannonball Run is a great way to to end this. So everybody watch Jason stuff. Definitely go play some Starfield. Um, watch watch Jason play Starfield and No Man's Sky and whatever else is uh coming. Well, yeah. Play play a solid before, snake. Before yep. we get out of here, did you have you done your uh, expedition yet? Oh yeah. Okay, good. I, I, a lot of people wait till the last minute, and I'm like, dude, this is not the one to wait till the last minute on. No, no. The aggravating thing was one of the reasons I'm behind in Starfield is in my limited window of playtime per day, I had to try and play like I was trying to. I was playing No Man's Sky a little every day, and then playing Starfield because, like, I would play No Man's Sky for maybe like a half hour, forty five minutes. I would get one or two of the achievements done and then stop. So it took me like a week and a half to, and plus I was one of the people who was having problems finding a couple of the things. The corrosive animal. The Probably. one that I, the one that I had oddly I had problems with. The last one that I got was the high Sentinel activity because, which is weird because I had thought I had gotten that one already because you usually get it when you go through the portal. Yeah. But, I don't know if it, like, I wasn't there long enough. It may have been I just didn't stay in the round long enough for it to register. Like, I, I, yeah. like, I ran out, saw all the Sentinels, and then ran back thinking it would count, and it didn't, and then I forgot about it. That has happened to me on two speedruns so far. And it wasn't, it wasn't for that one. It was for the cold planet. I got there. I knew it, the planet worked. Get there. I didn't spend the extra, like, five seconds for it to register and count it. I just got there, jumped back out, because I was like, oh, I could do this done. Speed run. 
And then you look at it and go, oh, it didn't count. Like, oh, my God, I got all the way back there. Yeah, and I did the thing where, like, I grew my own. Because this was, when I was doing it, they were still, they still had it so you could not get plants from other people's bases, like the way it was, like, in the first week or so. So yeah, I, I had... So yeah. I had to, so I had to grow my own plant. So that took a little longer too. And that I mean, irritated you. Don't know how hard I was so irritated with that because I did it the second that the uh, expedition released. I was already out there hunting, and I hit so many bases and they wouldn't let you grab it. And then like they turn on a switch and all of a sudden everyone's plants showed up, and I had everyone telling me, Jason. You just didn't wait around long enough. I'm like, dude, I was there. I tested like 15 different ways. They just flipped the. I, I feel like a crazy person trying to like shout at people. Like, no, it's not how it is. Yeah, that's that's why. With that, I sort of learned that like if you slow play the expedition, like one, like they'll fix the bugs and yeah. maybe. And again, like when people like you have played it already, so now I know. Like where, like, okay, go to in the first system that you're in. Go to this planet because you'll be able to find this animal. Mm-hmm. Which I, you know, like when I started, I didn't. And plus, <clears throat> like, not this expedition, but maybe the one before it was. I was one of the people playing on Xbox that had the bug that I could not do like the last planet because it kept crashing on me. Yep. So I had to wait for them to no. Actually, I think I had to. I had to like load an old save that was from like three quarters of the way through, and then finish, and then make sure I didn't do what I had done the first time to get to get the bug. <laughs> and then, and then I, and then I finished it. But I basically had to like play like like the last two phases over again. Yeah. Well, I. I love it. I mean, and this is more of a like a content creator YouTuber problem, but I love it when I we like we go through like uh, me and uh, Zane. Zane was doing guides for it as well. He finally just gave up and pushed out a guide because we would figure out something together. Like, hey, did you run into this problem? Oh yeah, this is how I did it. We would cut a guide, a video on it, and the next day they would put out a patch. Oh yeah, you don't need to do it like that. We fixed it. It's like, well, this whole video doesn't even matter. And I spent like 15 hours trying to figure out the optimum way so you could fix it. <laughs> like, dang it. That's funny. But yeah, everybody definitely check out Jason's, Jason's stream on a much, much, much smaller scale. You can watch my streams of Starfield, although. Where are you mainly, at? Where are you at? It, um, it is either my name or Odessa Steps. I'd have to. Let's see. I'd have to see it. Are you on Twitch or are you on YouTube? Yeah, on Twitch it's just my name, Mark Cole. On okay. YouTube, on YouTube, I think it's Odessa Steps Mag. Right. And which but, one do you stream to the most? I'm only, I only, I stream on Twitch and then I upload it to YouTube. Oh, see, you're smarter than me. I need to do that. <laughs> well, that's that's mainly because um, before I had rejiggered my system, like you know. With the Xbox and PlayStation, you can just stream to Twitch from the console. Yeah, straight to it, yeah. So I was doing that, and then... Because, like, I have one or two streams of... I think I was testing it out on Horizon Forbidden West to, just to see if it worked before 
but I yeah, I was trying to do like this two PC system where like I was streaming it on my new PC or streaming it on my old PC, but I was playing on my new PC. But then I realized, like, I finally figured out how to get it to work, and it's also like a lot less cables. So, mm-hmm. but I still haven't figured everything out. So it's mainly it's mainly just first person. Like, I don't even know if I've ever actually had anybody, like, tune in while I'm streaming so far. So it's mainly just me playing for an hour and narrating it and then uploading it. But eventually, you know, maybe I'll have people watching. But taking baby steps before I get one of those plaques like you have. Dude, everyone, I, 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 thank you. I appreciate that. But everyone says, you know, like, oh, I, it's hard to do. A lot of people, they, they, the they see where you're at and they assume you've always been there. It took me eighteen months, a year and a half, to get more than a hundred subscribers on YouTube. I I would put up a video and I would get ten views on it. And so I, dude, it takes a lot of I I call it volunteer time. Basically, it's just you talking into the void. It feels like that until people catch you. But when they do. They're going to see how awesome your streams are, and they're going to tune in all the time. It's 100%. See, see the other thing, to the other difference is, like, this podcast and streaming are just a vocational hobby. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would maybe be more diligent if, like, it was my career. Like, if, like if I was you and this was my job, I would do things a lot differently. But to... Like, you know, this podcast has deliberately, like, never had spot. Like, I've never been sponsored by mattresses or CBD or <laughs> what have that, you. That's the thing. I didn't do that either for, uh, I started in March 20th of 2017. I put up my first video. And I said, look, I'm going to turn this into my, my plan was this is going to be my career. But I was still working in radio. So I was doing a, a 45, 50-hour-a-week job. And then I would literally come home and I would spend four or five hours hammering out. I My goal was a video every single day, no matter what. And it got to a point in, I think it was in June and July of 2018, I was posting two and three videos per day. Like I had over 500 videos in the first year that I had my uh, channel. And it was because I wanted to get the pattern and, you know, grind out and make it into a habit but yeah, I I treated it like it was a job. And so I was working, you know, 20, 30 hours just on my YouTube channel in addition to my real, you know, my my bill paying job at the time. But I was just like oh, there's just I can't, I can't even imagine doing that now. I want to I'd want to die. <laughs> I'm too old. Yeah. Yeah, I just looked and what the of the streaming videos that I have on YouTube so for like the last month or two. My mo- I, I have 29 views when I was playing No Man's Sky, and that's the most so far. That's and pretty then there's, good. Then there's like a then there's like a 10, and then there's like a 15, and then like a bunch of two, four, one. No Let me go back to my oldest video. I think I still have videos on my channel that have less than a hundred views. Let me check this. Oh, come on, load now. Yeah, my one of my first videos ever. It has, oh no, it went up to 500. People have gone back to see it. Dang it. <laughs> so for a long time, 
when I got past 100,000 subscribers, I would go back and look just to see. And there's a period in all of 2017 where I was putting up videos and nobody's gone back to watch them. And so I still can go back and look at it and say, oh, this video has 23 views, 38 views. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, my God, really? Uh, so it always it. I can't remember the exact quote, but it feels like it's a long time until it happens and it's immediate. Like it's a it's a it's the uh, the best kind of snowball effect you'll ever you'll run into. Because you'll be trucking along, trucking along, and then all of a sudden, a thousand people are watching you, two thousand people, and you're like, "What in the world?" And it's mind blowing. I'm telling you, it's gonna yeah. happen. I'll say I think the other way people say that is uh, an overnight sensation years in the making. Yes, exactly, exactly. But a lot of people they'll look at you, like you know, five years from now they're gonna say, "Oh, dude." You've always had a hundred thousand subscribers. It's like, no, I spent the first year or however long, six months, streaming to like two people or one person. I remember it was <laughs> my first two months of YouTube. I literally it was me. There's a guy's name is uh, Jason MX, Jason Griggs, and Hey Jason. And the only reason we knew each other is because we were all named Jason. <laughs> and so we literally watched each other's videos. And would critique each other like, oh, this is really good, or hey, this wasn't really good. And it was more of like we were trying to build each other up. But yeah, it was just all the Jasons watching each other. <laughs> that was it. That was all my views, basically. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks again. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, watch, everybody watch Jason's videos. Go play some Starfield. We will talk to everybody next time. Oh.